Well, there it is. Shots fired right off the bat. You prayed on it, you prayed on it, and you got it. You prayed for them to schedule you for homecoming, Coach Eddie Robinson, and sure enough, that's what they did, and you got the ass. You got them. You got them. Uh, welcome to another episode of the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian Fulford, A.D. Drew, a homecoming nightmare for many for many schools, especially several schools in the SWAC. Uh, Drew, how are you doing tonight? <sighs> Brian, you know, I had to go to urgent care last night. Um, after that sickening homecoming defeat on a Hail Mary in Cleve Abbott Memorial Stadium. So, you know, and, and the doctor told me, like, bro, it's going to be okay, but you are going to have to change your diet. You may have to eat a little bit more crow this week with your diet than what you normally eat. Yeah, uh, you, you and folks from Albany State, not far away from where you are, folks in Jackson, Mississippi, folks in Grambling, Louisiana, Folks out in that in that school out in uh, West West uh, East Florida, Southeast Florida, as we like to call it, over there on the on the coast, uh, a lot of a lot of folks, a lot of folks, uh, man, dish dish served cold. How about this, Drew? We, we'll we'll just hey, just just get it out there. Happy homecoming, everybody! Yeah, happy homecoming, Jackson State, Grambling State, Bethune. Tuskegee, Albany State. Happy, happy homecoming to you. Uh, you know, Drew, we gotta ask. We gotta ask the, the pertinent question. Who to, and, and I put I posted this on the uh YouTube uh poll. Who took the more disappointing or who had the more disappointing homecoming loss? You know, was it Jackson State? Losing to and I and I want to make sure I got the stats and everything here. Was it Jackson State losing to Albany State twenty four to nineteen? Was it Grambling the I believe the worst loss at home? Alabama exactly. State. You said Albany State and and uh, Albany State's oh, on the list, Freudian but you called slip. it wrong. Freudian called slip. Wrong yeah, Freudian slip there. Jackson State losing to Alabama State. Yes, Alabama State. 
uh, Albany State losing to Allen, 39-27. Grambling losing to Alabama A&M. There's a lot of A's right now, so that's what got me all flustered. Alabama A&M beating Grambling. Uh, Grambling, one of Grambling's worst loss, I think, is what I read on uh, HBCUsports.com, 45-24. to 24. I mean, really? 45 points? Of course, the Edward Waters beating uh, or uh, lost Hail Mary over Tuskegee might have been the uh, biggest win in Edward Waters' program history. And uh, uh, let's see, who else? Uh, Bethune-Cookman losing to Texas Southern, uh, 34-31. And Louisiana Christian beating Texas College 52 to 7. We kind of, that was the one that I think was most likely to happen. But I think the other five, at least according to my picks contest, three of those I lost because I didn't see those coming. I, you know, I really thought <laughs> I, I did a horrible job on my picks contest this week. Um, but uh, yeah, don't, don't you go gloating too just yet. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, um, it's not tough. good, Karen. Not good. How are you and, doing, Karen? How are you doing? This is the question. Yeah, how you doing? You. That's the better question. <laughs> right. And uh, I got to shout out Joshua Jackson because uh, he's the uh, play-by-play voice for the Everwaters Tigers, also sports information director there for Everwaters. And I don't know how soon this was after the game was over, but – I got a call when I was riding in my car yesterday. You might have been his first call. I look at my phone. <laughs> you might have been his first no, call. No, I didn't miss the call. I call it Joshua Jackson. S-H, you know the rest of it. I know what this call about. I just answered the phone. Yeah, bro, y'all got us. Y'all got what, us real what, good. What, what, what <laughs> and, is the time and, and then, What was the time stamp? Yeah, what was the time Hold stamp? Let me go back call? and look at my. Because I, I gotta go believe you were the it. first call. I, I believe you were the first call. You had to be the first call. Seven twenty-seven every... Eastern, so six twenty-seven Central Time. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you might have been top three. You might have been top three because I, I figured that's about what time they finally got on the bus and got out of there. And by the time he got settled, yeah, he was like, "Oh, let me call Drew now. <laughs> let me call." So you might have been first, second, or third. <laughs> You were. I bet you anything. You were top three. I know. I know. Josh is probably watching, or will be watching. Josh, you let us know if if, if AD was one. Oh, of he's, your... he he already told me he was watching. Top three. Well, hold on. Speaking of Joshua Jackson, because there are some outstanding calls in this game, good and bad. Let's start with Mister Jackson and hear his call of the game right here off of the uh, a nice little mix, a little mashup here from the Edward Waters. Uh, radio sports radio network. Here's Joshua Jackson with the call mashed together with the actual video from the uh, ESPN broadcast, which a uh, good friend, Jamie Walker was on the call. Ja- Jamie's <laughs> Jamie was in dis- disbelief as well, but uh, right. here's that match. Brian, here's the answer. Ah, ah, you were first. I knew it. <laughs> you were the first call. <laughs> Look, even before he did the post-game article, I knew you were the first call. I knew it. I knew you were the first call. Kudos, exactly, Josh. That's how you get them. But let's hear this great call by Joshua Jackson. Love you, bro. Here's the ball game here. Takes the snap. Russell, back to pass. Russell looking. Russell's going to throw near side. This one is going to be tipped. It is. Did he make the catch? 
Pond! Touchdown, Illinois! Touchdown, Tigers! Touchdown, Tigers! Touchdown, Tigers! Isaiah McCorker! Are you kidding me? The Hail Mary is answered! Isaiah McCorker! Touchdown, Edward Waters! Oh my goodness! Touch beautiful call there Josh. by Josh. Uh great, great call, Josh. I only got look, one, I only got one criticism. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Look, 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 it was against my first. team. That's the All only right. criticism I got. It was against look, Tuskegee. <laughs> true broadcast professional because he you he did yes. one of those things where he, he created a headline. And so I don't know if he, I haven't even looked if he didn't you if he used this during the actual uh, uh, article that he posted, but the the uh, pray what do you say the prayer was answered. Uh, beautiful yes. job of being able to tie in the hail mary with the dramatic finish and uh, and he did a good job of not cuss because I I know there was a lot of other people around there who were cussing good and bad uh, good and bad cussing as they like to say, as your mama might used to say. Um, <laughs> so for a true, a true broadcast professional, Joshua Jackson. Very good. Is. Very good. Yeah. And, and, and Brian, along with the thrill of victory, there oh, is yeah. the agony. The agony of defeat. Of defeat. Yeah. Uh, that call. Yeah. Right here. Now this was an audio, this was audio, uh, but you're going to see the video version of it. This was the audio call from the Tuskegee Sports Radio Network. Uh, of course, we air the uh, audio broadcast of Tuskegee Games right here on the Black College Sports Network. So uh, the play-by-play -play and uh, and um, and color, uh, give a shout-out to those two gentlemen again, Drew. It's Frank Lee on the call. It's Frank Lee on the call and uh, Tuskegee linebacker, Denver Bronco. Uh, Ken Woodard on the analysis of the right. play, and let's set, let's set this call up. We actually picked this up on the play before the hail mary when they threw the ball down to the end zone, and that ball was batted down. That's where we're going to pick up the call because you have to hear how that call was made when Tuskegee thought they won the game to understand the air being let out of the balloon on the next play. Go ahead, Brian. I can't push the button. First and 10 from the 46 has a man in motion. His right takes his time on account, sets up, wants to throw long. Right has time, throws long. He fires it out. It's going to be batted down. It's over. It's over. It's over. Two Two seconds left in the ball game. It's not over yet. Two ticks left in the ball game. 38-35 is your score. 2.1 seconds in the ball game. There we go. We got right. we got a taller guy back there. First, second down and in, in ten. Ball on the 46-yard line. Okay, Drew. Can I pause it here? Can I pause it here for a second? Let me pause here. Because we just saw what happened on that play. There's 2.1 seconds. Now, mm -hmm. 
at any point in time as you're watching what happened the first time, are you changing your strategy? Did you Do you wish or are you thinking, hey, Coach James, why not send a fourth person instead of just rushing three? Thoughts? Brian, how often does a Hail Mary get answered? That, that, I mean, that's a not, whole, if, if that's how you look often. at it. That, but but that's 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 not the. But when it happens, though, I mean, it happens on you, and you could have. You get quit. this. You get this. Yeah. Now I don't know how many of those guys back there were actually defensive backs versus you know sometimes teams will put wide receivers back there who just happen to be taller just to knock the ball down but what's a wide receiver's natural tendency to do or that tall tight end their tendency is to go in up and try to catch the ball and human yeah. nature may sometimes take over where you going to and whereas a defensive back is taught to bat the ball down so you <laughs> brian you work on this in practice, but you really don't work on this in practice, if that makes sense. I don't like that comment. I you I want you working on it. I want you working on it every day because you have to avoid these things. You two opportunities. You you work on this about as much shot. as you work on a yeah. They got as, as much as you go live on a punt block or a field goal shot, a field goal block. Price. Yeah, but it, it, you don't do you, it too it, often live because of the quote unquote liability with this particular play. I'm I'm still gonna I'm still gonna side with if you get a second chance, you have to do something different. You just saw him almost look. He got so close, everyone had to be looking like, "Ooh, that was close." Hey, coach, you might want to send a fourth person, not just three. Send a fourth one just in case. Maybe a delayed fourth rush. I'm just saying, but let's listen to the call. They put number Edward twenty-two Waters, Hodges time back there. For one play, Hodges, rather. They got everybody back. They got the uh, tall guy there. They got a six-four, six-five back there. Get that ball out the air. Prevent defense. Here's the play. He, he throw it again. Throw, throw, throws long. It's gonna be. And he caught the. Oh my God. He caught the ball. <laughs> He the ball. Can you believe that? Edward Waters with two seconds left catches the football. This is one that's going to go down in the wide touchdown. Edward Waters, they catch it with one, two seconds left, and the Golden Tigers fall for the first time, and Edward Waters win the ball game with two seconds left. And that's where the audio five. dropped because I don't know well, what on. happened in there, but the uh, audio just got clipped. <laughs> yeah, great call there by uh, Frank Lee um, and uh, uh, Ken Woodard. Ken Woodard, thank you. I was sitting there and I'm sorry, I, I knew I knew, it was on the tip of my tongue. Um, great call there. I mean, even in the agony of defeat. But but again, I I go back to. I think the the big play now, granted, the big play and what was kind of surprising and, and props to Toriano Morgan because the big play is how Edward Waters got to the 46-yard line because previously they were on their 32-yard line. So they completed 
uh, let me do the math here, almost a 20-yard play, which got them to the 46-yard line. So that that part should not be understated. It was about a 20, what, about a 22 yards, 22 yard play, which got yeah. them to the 46. And there was 10 seconds left. And I'm thinking, okay, now they had no timeouts, but I'm thinking, okay, Toriano Morgan, you got two plays, maybe one play towards the sideline uh, and then get close enough to maybe what? Heave it and be a little bit closer. But I, I mean, look, when, when you got a cannon in your back pocket and uh, you can throw a rope like that, uh, you know, hey, I, I think Coach Morgan kind of knew what he was working with. And it, he basically threw a 50-yard, 55-yard spiral <laughs> into the end zone and a man caught it. Uh, it. Hey, Tuskegee defenders, even if you pass interfere, guess what? It's only 15 yards. That too could have happened. I would have mugged every Edward Waters receiver and not, especially after, and this is what I, this is why I'm saying that this is, this is the thing. Now I know Tuskegee didn't have any timeouts, but you still had two. You gave two opportunities there. I'm thinking you got to be telling those guys, Hey, if anybody looks like they get kind of open, mug the heck out of them, hold them. Do not let anybody jump. Let the official have to call that. You know, I'm, because worst case, it's 15 yards and you get another play. Uh, let me go back to one other interesting coaching decision in that game. Um, what did you think with the score 35 to 24 of uh, Edward Waters leading Tuskegee scoring uh, a touchdown to cut it to 35 to 30 and going for one instead of two? which meant when Tuskegee did score their go-ahead touchdown, they had to score a touchdown instead of having an opportunity to kick a field goal. That almost blew up in Coach James's face, but, you know, they got a touchdown on that as well. Um, what do you think about that? Obviously, Coach James had confidence in his defense, which is why you go for the one instead of the two. At that point, I if if Coach Drew is on the sideline calling the plays, I go for the two because going for the two in that situation can only benefit you. It cannot hurt you because right. if you don't get the two, you're still in the same position as if you get right. the one and it, and, a, and it's down four. You still got to get a touchdown. So right. it can only benefit you by putting you in, in where you only need a field goal which opens up your playbook a little bit more because you don't need that extra 30 yards or so in order to get a score. So, uh, yeah, th that's the big thing. And I got to say one thing about that call, the Tuskegee call with Frank Lee and Ken Woodard. If you know these two guys, like I know these two guys, for there to be radio silence, on a broadcast <laughs> yes yes is yes. not com is not common uh, frankly he's been doing this for well over 30 plus years and for him to be left speechless on a broadcast it tells you the magnitude of that victory by ever waters and like josh said it's easily the 
biggest win in the modern era of Edward Waters football. As we know, Edward Waters dropped football, I believe, in the 60s and then picked it back up in the uh, 90s. So uh, easily the, uh, one of the biggest wins, if not the biggest win. Like Josh reminds me, we beat them 71 nothing when Kamaji was coach. Yeah. Um, and, and this is the thing, one more interesting stat in that game. Talk about snatching you know, you like I like to use the phrase what snatching victory from the jaws of defeat. Uh that was a game in which Tuskegee had committed five turnovers and were down thirty-five to twenty-four and scored two touchdowns with twenty-four seconds. So I mean, imagine going from Man, we have committed five turnovers. We have given Edward Waters every opportunity to beat us in this game. We've beaten ourselves. I'm sure a lot of that is what they were thinking and saying. And to be down 35-24 in the fourth quarter and to score two touchdowns, I, I mean, that almost became one of those memorable well, – it, look, it became a, a memorable homecoming. <laughs> but um, on a different note for Tuskegee, that almost turned into one of the greatest comebacks given every given five turnovers. Five you're not supposed to beat a team when you commit five turnovers, Drew. I mean, obviously you didn't. So but but you were 20 seconds you're away. You're not supposed to be in a position. Yeah, yeah, you're not supposed to be in a position. 20 seconds. Fact, two seconds, Brian. Two seconds. Two seconds. I'm, I'm sorry. Two seconds. <laughs> two seconds. So Brian, so in other words, Tuskegee uh took a victory from the jaws of defeat and then Ever Waters took it back. Yes they did. Took it right out their mouth. All right. Took it right out their mouth. Yes. I, in the middle of chewing. In the middle of chewing, I, they just stuck their hand in their mouth and say, give me that food. I'll eat it. <laughs> give me that victory. I'll eat it. <laughs> what is that? What, what what did your boy say? Let's eat a W. Let's eat a W. There you go. So props to uh Ever Waters yeah. four in a row. Four wins in a row. Uh, I hey, told you. I know you didn't want to pick that game, but I told you I would have picked and that game. That's why. I told you. I, this is why I didn't yeah, want I to pick this why. game. I, I, I would have picked that game, and I was going to roll with Edward Waters. So I was uh, I was happy for them. I've uh, enjoyed watching that team play, and that's a scary team coming down the stretch. Uh, hold on. Yeah. Let me, can we transition to another scary team in the SIC that played homecoming, homecoming, oh. uh, homecoming uh, heavyweight, knocking out. Albany State uh, by a final that score one of 39 to, 20, much, 39 to 27. No, it does, even though I, even though Albany State had won four in a row coming into the contest, didn't shock you. Did not shock you. Uh, Allen that one scored, did not shock you. Allen had jumped out to an 18 to nothing lead. Uh, with about uh, 10, almost a little less than 11 minutes in the second quarter before Albany State had scored their first touchdown on a one-play um, De- Deontay Bono to Rashad Jordan 52-yard pass. And then on the next possession, they scored again to cut it to 18 to 14 going into halftime. Allen came out and answered David Wright with a 24 yard run to take it to 25 to 14. Albany State got close again 
with an 80-yard touchdown pass from Bono to Kieran Jackson, 80 yards, cuts it to 25 to 21. But then uh, Allen on a five-play, 47-yard drive, goes up 32-21 and then adds an insurance touchdown to go up 39-21 with uh, a minute 36 to go in the in the fourth quarter. And that was all she wrote. Um, Albany got a a, a score there right at the end of the uh, of the game to really cut to make it look a little better. But uh, Allen goes to five and one, four and one in conference play. Albany State drops to four and three overall. Their first lost in conference play. Uh, and, and so now, Drew, when I go and look at the SIC standings, you only have Benedict. Oh my God! Yeah, you only have Benedict sitting unbeaten. Yeah. Yeah, but look at all those one-loss teams. Yeah, so going through the standings here, Benedict is 5-0 and in conference play. Fort Valley State, 5-1. and Allen, Tuskegee, Miles, and Albany State all sitting at 4-1. and Then you have Edward Waters at 4-2, and and pretty much that's the line. Uh, nobody else really after that, in my opinion, has a shot. Um, I don't think anybody else has more than one win after that. Correct. That's correct. So you've got seven teams now, you know, sitting there with four wins and six of them have one loss. Well, five of them have one loss. Benedict has none and Edward Waters has two. Yeah. So here's the thing, Brian. Basically, you've got six teams fighting it off on one slot. Because Benedict right. is pretty much a given at this point. And you know what's so interesting about this? And I hope I don't eat crow with this by calling Benedict a given. Because yeah, and I was going to say, are you, wrong a couple of times is Benedict you. a given? Are they a given, though? You said that. Are, I mean, they, they feel like a given, but. Yeah. Here's the thing, Brian. Although we have six teams in contention, and somebody in here earlier said something about tiebreakers in the SIAC under this new format which I am growing to love more and more each day the chances of us having to go deeper to the tiebreakers are going to be minimal because all the top contenders still have to play at least one if not two games against each other to finish off the season in these next three weeks now i'm gonna quickly go down everyone's schedule albany state five and one correct four and one albany four state one. said four and one four and one they have they have edward waters who's hot who's right behind them in the standings they've got miles who's tied with them in the standings and then they have fort valley who's a half a game ahead of them in this in the standings guess what albany state you control your destiny. Let's move down the line. Allen has Miles this this Saturday at his Miles' homecoming, who's tied with you in the standings. Edward Waters, who sits directly behind you in the standing, in the I believe it's called the AME uh, Classic. And then you have Crosstown rival Benedict. Allen, guess what? You control your own destiny and brian wouldn't it be interesting if alan benedict 
play each other back-to-back weeks. But if Benedict wins out, probably the only way that's going to happen is if Allen defeats Benedict. Because a loss with all these teams bunched up in there together, a loss by Allen to Benedict on the last game of the season would probably drop them behind one of these other one-loss teams. This is fun, Brian. Benedict, Clark Atlanta. No, excuse me, wrong line. Benedict has Kentucky State, Savannah State, Allen. That's why I say Benedict is pretty much a lock. You know, Allen is the only game against a team above 500 remaining on their schedule. Let's not call them a lock. Let's say they're uh, if we had an index to say if we if we had an index to say what's their percentage of winning, it's over eighty percent. Listen, when that sound right, it's over eighty percent. Allen is the only team above five hundred remaining on Benedict's schedule. Correct. Yeah. Uh, All right. Moving on down the line, Ever Waters has. Uh, let's see. They have Morehouse. They should get that one. They have Lynchburg in a non-conference. And then they have, uh, check that. I'm I'm on the wrong line. They have Albany State. Correct. Yeah, I'm on the wrong line. They have Albany State. At home. Allen and Lynchburg. Everett Waters only has two conference games remaining to get their business handled. Right. When they if they get those two victories when they play Lynchburg, that's going to be one of those do we rest everybody and wait and see games. Now, let's flip it over. Uh Fort Valley. I feel like Morehouse. We, we need a graphic for all this, but go ahead. Yeah, we should have did a graphic. Morehouse, <laughs> Lynch, Lynchburg, non conference, and then you have the Fountain City Classic. Anything can happen in the Fountain City Classic though, Brian. But can you imagine the Fountain City Classic being for that uh, second spot? Uh, Miles. Yeah. Okay, Miles. Allen for homecoming. Albany State. Tuskegee. And our last team in contention. Toughest, toughest, uh, toughest road is right there for Miles. Miles has the toughest stretch. Uh, I'll take a, uh, I'll see that Biles toughest stretch and raise you Allen and Albany State. Allen yeah, with Miles, Everwaters, Benedict, Albany State with Everwaters, Miles, Fort Valley. But 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 I say I, I say that with with respect that when I look at who's playing well, well, Allen's playing well. Like next to like the three teams that are playing. Their best right now are Benedict, Allen, and Edward Waters. Those are the three teams that are playing their best. Now, I'm not, you know what I'm saying, like over the last two to three weeks, because it's like this season is chopped up into thirds. So if we look at the middle third of the season, Benedict, Edward Waters, Allen, those three teams are playing the best ball right now. All right. Last schedule, Brian. Tuskegee has Savannah State. Clark and Miles. Savannah State and Clark have a combined one win. So that definitely favors Tuskegee yeah. in, in that one, in that particular matchup. And then Miles Tuskegee, anything goes. Uh, Golden, 
Golden Tigers have to travel to face the Golden Bears in Fairfield, Alabama. So it's going to be fun coming down the stretch in the SIAC. Yeah, have uh, have no idea how that's gonna how that's gonna play out. That uh, that's gonna be interesting to kind of watch the numbers and and really kind of analyze where things are going to go when and and I, how soon before we get the NCAA region rankings they, after next week's games they come out with the full list it will be an alphabetical list and then after week nine is when they actually rank up one through ten so you get the watch list next week and then the week after that is when you get the actual list all right That'll be that'll be interesting. All right, um, we got uh, look among all of the the football talk, and we got some more football talk to uh, to hit on here. Um, the GCAC was making all kinds of big news over the course of the past week, and uh, one of those one of those schools that uh, is going to be well, actually, what what I can say or what what did come out is that three three schools did join or did agree to join the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference over the past week uh and that was uh in case you in case you missed it uh that was Voorhees University Voorhees is located in South Carolina Wilberforce, Wilberforce. University located in yeah, Ohio first. and then uh, okay I didn't know who was first I was just reading three here uh and then stillman college announced on uh the end of this past week that they are going to rejoin the gulf coast athletic conference uh after some time away so uh we've got a conversation scheduled with uh the athletic director and the uh, head baseball coach of uh stillman college coach terrence whittle so let's do this let's take a Let's take a short break and let's see if we've got uh, the director of athletics for Stillman College ready to join us. And we'll find out about this move and we'll get into some more football talk coming up here later on in the show. Of course, Coach Ferrasi Norman is going to be joining us at the top of hour two. So you are watching the BCSN Sports Wrap right here on the Black College Sports Network. We'll be back in just a moment. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvée. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube Spreaker, or the BCSN app. 
as we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. All right, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. Um, we will have to uh, reschedule our conversation with uh, Coach Whittle as uh, he is uh, occupied doing coaching type things. So we will <laughs> we'll have him. We'll have him. Uh, I'm sure we'll reschedule him, uh, but that gives us more time to catch up on uh, some of the action in the SWAC. Um, you know, uh, first off. I know where I want to start. Well, look, hold on. Let me let me, let me me reset for a lot of people who may not have been aware. 14 schools were on homecoming this past Saturday. Uh, as a note, 15 are on homecoming this upcoming Saturday. Hmm. The uh, Of the 15, of the 14, six Schools lost again, in case you missed our wonderful graphic there. Uh, yes, uh, those schools are uh, Jackson State, Grambling, Bethune Cookman of the SWAC, uh, Tuskegee, Albany State of the SIC, and Texas College. And uh, if, you, if you're on YouTube, I know there was a poll. If you if you look in our, I know it's a poll that comes up and asks you the worst. Uh, I think what did I? I said the most disappointing homecoming loss um you know who who would you give that to and uh you know obviously again Alabama A&M beating Grambling 45 to 24 Alabama State and sort of a payback for going and beating them Jackson State beat them on their homecoming and you know there was all that talk Last year, that's where the that remember last year for Alabama State's homecoming. That's where the, you know, what is swag? Who is swag? He ain't swag. I'm swag. You know that that's where all that came out, and so of course it ended with Coach Rob, uh, Coach Robinson dropping that famous line. I hope they schedule us for homecoming next year. Well, prayers answered, and uh, or I don't think he said he hopes. He said he prayed on it. <laughs> he prayed on it. So <laughs> just. Can we stay away from the praying uh, references for the remainder of the show, Brian? You know, I'm a little traumatized over here. My bad. Sorry, Drew. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that was uh, – and then, what you know, what's funny is I went through a couple of the homecoming games. There was a few games that were only won by, like, a possession, you know. Uh, 
Johnson C. Smith only beating St. Aug 14 to 6. Lincoln PA beating East uh Elizabeth City State 27 to 21. I think Lincoln won their fourth game. Something like that. I think that was their fourth win of the season, which I think was I read somewhere. I forgot where I read. I'm gonna have to look it up real quick. That was the first time that that has happened in a long time. Uh, Tennessee State held off Norfolk State 24 to 17. Um, yeah. So, and then of course Virginia Lynchburg, Drew, you called this. Got the first win. Now, did you go and do the background on this? When is this win number? One in how many years did you? What's so the background? They won. They won two games in twenty twenty one, Brian. Okay, that was the last time they won a game was twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one, and being prior to that, it had it was three years prior to that before they had won a game. Okay, maybe that's what it was. Okay, so yeah. Um. What which game which game do you want to start at here among these among these uh SWAT games? What what game kinda you just kinda shaking your head like wow? If Tuskegee Ever Waters was the most disappointing loss, this has to be number two, Brian. And this is Grambling State, Alabama A and M. Why is this one number two on my list? Because two weeks ago. We were just talking about Grammy State in position to run away with the SWAC West. Yeah. Yep. Now, after losing to Alcorn on Alcorn's homecoming and then losing their own homecoming, you know, people once again are chirping in Mississippi about Coach Hume. Let's put this loss into perspective, Brian. Alabama A&M and Grambling have met 29 times on the gridiron, Brian. Mm -hmm. Grambling leads the series 21 to 8. That is only the second time ever, let me say that, not ever, ever, that Alabama A&M has defeated Grambling in Grambling. That is their first win since 2011. And this the, the final stat, this was the first loss on homecoming by the G-Men since 2006. That is easily why this has to be the number two of the disappointing losses on homecoming. Yeah. Hey. Um special point of special privilege, uh, Brian. Jamie Walker, you guys did a great job. Jamie Walker uh was on the ESPN plus. I don't know if it was on plus or three. Uh, but you guys did a great job capturing that last play. Also, just the fact that we don't have the media rights to play that is why we didn't play that on the show, Jamie. But uh, you guys did a great call, job on that call also. Just want to give you guys a shout-out. So I had the home call, Brian. I had the, the away call, and I had the neutral call. 
that I listened to all three of them, and all three of them were excellent. Yeah, I, I was listening to uh, to the J- to Jamie's call uh, live, so that's the one I caught. And um, like I said, I, I I just think from there, there's there's a lot of some interesting points there. Um, but uh, look, I, I think the Grambling loss, a, a lot of things two weeks ago, think about where we were. And I think I was just looking at, I'm looking at the standings now in the SWAC West. Okay. And this is the dilemma of trying to put together your top 10 this week. Because when you really think about it, you had the top two teams, FAMU and North Carolina Central, on a bye. They they were resting this week. So they stayed wherever you had them at. It, exactly. If you had them at one, if you had them at two, that's probably where you're keeping them. And this is the rest of my top ten. Now, I'm just going to read my top ten. My top ten, I had Jackson State at three, lost. Tennessee State won against Norfolk State. Hampton was at five, lost, big time lost. Grambling, number six, lost. Norfolk State was seven, lost. Alcorn actually was on a bye. They were eight. Nine was Prairie View. They lost to Houston Baptist, shut out 30 to nothing, lost. Alabama A&M, they were 10, got a win, you know. Uh, the only other teams who were outside, you know, you, people have kind of in their discussions and thoughts. You obviously had Southern who picked up a win, but they, that was against a, a non-NCAA, non-NAIA school. Alabama State, obviously, with the win over Jackson State. Uh, and, and for some reason, people still keep putting Howard in their mouth. I don't know why, because Howard – Lost to lost to Harvard. I mean, come on now, stop it. I mean, somehow somehow Howard is going to find themselves in the next five weeks. Anything's possible. Miak plays about to begin. So, Anything can happen. How would how would be to stop scheduling schools that begin with the H in non conference play? It's just that simple. <laughs> just like the Texas schools need to stop playing Christian schools in the non conference. Yeah. Texas Southern well, Prairie View cannot beat Christian schools in the state of Texas in a non-conference. Yeah, no, Howard I didn't can't know. beat anybody with an H. Can't beat Hampton. Can't beat Harvard. That's 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 tough. Um, yeah, I, look, he, is Houston? I don't know. Is Houston Baptist that good, or is Prairie View that bad? I don't know. Well, I don't know how to answer that because Prairie View is three and four overall. But they're three and one in conference play. Yeah, but you, here's the thing with Preview, and this is why you almost need to discount Preview as one of your Swack West contenders. Because let's face it, even the bottom dwellers of the East are better than the West. It appears. Uh... So. We're looking at the schedule well, of the contenders in the East, out in the West right now. You you cannot say that. Valley B. Oh, wait a minute. You got, you got Valley B. You just beat another bottom dweller. 
Right. Texas right. Southern. And that was in the East. Boom. Texas Southern. Okay. So they. Okay. So tomato, tomato. But let's look at the top teams. The top teams cannot beat the top teams in the East. The top four in the West cannot beat the top four in the East. It seems that simple. And who is the one West team that still has two East opponents on their schedule? Prairie View. Who still has Florida A&M, who's one, mm-hmm. and Alabama State, who's two, or tied for two in the East. Mm-hmm. Prairie View has the toughest road to get to that West crown. Just quickly, just looking at the crossover matchups. Of course, you know, Alcorn has Jackson State. Grambling, Alabama State. Uh, we already talked about Preview and Southern. Southern Southern is done. Southern is done. All their games are against uh, check that Southern has Bethune this this uh this Saturday in Jacksonville. So those are your crossover matchups. Everything else is in conference. I mean in division uh, with those Western contenders. Mm-hmm. Um, let me go to the Alabama State win because what the Alabama State win did is it opened up things over on the eastern side for Florida A and M. Now, you know, I had a few people hit me up thinking that that it wrapped up the East for FAMU, which, I, I mean, I may have jokingly said that in a few places, but but it's not true. It, it, there's still, still some ball left to play. It's too early to say that that cemented it. But um, so uh, I'm reading right here out of HBCU Sports. Uh, the the win, or I should say, the Jackson State loss, uh, dropped Jackson State's record to two and two, putting them in a three way tie with Alabama State and Alabama A and M. Uh, Florida A and M has the tiebreaker over Alabama State and Jackson State. Uh, now, obviously, Alabama A and M has. Alabama State in the Magna City Classic in two weeks. And they have a shot at... That's, that's essentially an elimination game. Magna City Classic becomes an elimination game. For Alabama A&M, it does. Uh, let me see. Hold on. Even Alabama State, yeah, Alabama on, State defeats, right. defeats right. Alabama State. At least they can still hang around. Alabama, Alabama State done, it's over. Alabama Alabama A&M of the three, Alabama A&M is the one that best controls its own destiny. They don't, don't control it yet. FAMU has to drop one in order for them to control their own destiny. But Alabama A&M is in the best position should FAMU drop a game this season amongst those three who are tied right now. Right. So according to this, the Bulldogs in, would be Incorrect, Lawrence. Hold on, I, I'm. What is he saying? No, look. If A&M I'm, wins out, no. Fam, you has to lose one first before 
Alabama A and M even has let, a let prayer. Let me finish. Let me finish reading, and then we'll. And then, oh, then Lawrence may may. No, no, no. I'm talking to Lawrence. Uh, the Bulldogs, Alabama A and M, need FAMU to lose a game, and would need to win against them on November fourth. While, of course, not losing until then, until then, i.e., what? The Magic City Classic to overtake them in first place of division. Okay. So that's what's at stake for Alabama AM. Just so we're clear. Uh, for Alabama State and Jackson State, they got a much tougher road, uh, needing FAMU to lose three of its four remaining conference games to win out to claim the Southeast top spot. And that's all the while, while not losing themselves. And we all know they have tough games uh, as well. So, you know, let's, let's not, let's not crown anybody yet. I mean, FAMU has to travel to Houston. They got to play Texas Southern who uh, they look pretty good. And, and we'll talk to coach Ferrasi coming up here at the top of our two. He was watching that game. So I know he, he was, he was uh, really juiced about uh, what he saw from Texas Southern. And uh, so that'll be interesting to see. But, uh, yeah, let, let's not crown anybody yet. There's still the, – the next – look, just as much as the last two weeks have flipped what we thought, these next two weeks are going to once again cause us to rethink what we thought we knew today. Is that fair to say? Yeah. And And, and here's the thing, Brian. Don't let Alabama A&M beat FAMU because now that puts the pressure on FAMU in the Florida Classic. And we've seen crazier stuff happen in the Florida Classic when it comes to FAMU and Bethel Cookman. And every Rattler within the sound of my voice remembers 2018 that's all i am going to say about that if you're not a rattler google it you will understand what i'm talking about three games up with how, how we needed one win with three to play was that the, was that it no it in, in the MIAC, we needed one more win thing. and we didn't get them yeah they they, they had two games two games that counted and they needed right. to win one. one of those two. What hurt is there were three games and they lost all three of them. So, yes. yeah. Uh, let me give a couple other mentions here, some other breakaways, some other interesting stuff here that I'm reading from out of this article um, off of HBCUsports.com. And uh, it was something else that I was thinking. I, I called out the fact that the CIAA South, remember I told you about that matchup between – Livingstone and Fayetteville State, how that might help determine what the CIA South. Well, uh, Fayetteville ended up winning that contest. It was ugly, nineteen to fourteen. They maintain its five and zero record. Uh, they are a game ahead of Johnson C. Smith, who was four and one, and they defeated St. Aug fourteen to six. Next weekend is a matchup between Fayetteville and Johnson C. Smith. And then, of course, somehow, Winston-Salem, I don't know how, is technically still in the running for a division crown 
they went to three and two after defeating Shaw 41-20. Um, so depending on the result of the game between Fayetteville State and Johnson C. Smith, the Rams could have a shot to overtake both teams for that division. I don't see that happening, but I think all eyes will be on Johnson C. Smith, Fayetteville State. And then if I could give one other CIAA shout out, how about to Lincoln, PA? Uh, Lincoln, PA, the Lions, for the first time since the program revived, was revived in 2008, Lincoln has a chance at producing a winning season. They won their third straight after knocking off Elizabeth City State 27-21. They are now 4-3. and three. Uh, And technically, they still have a chance at winning its first ever CIA North Division title. Again, that's was one of those mathematically you're still alive, but looking at who's in front of them in the North, hey, that'd be a heck of an upset. Uh, holding a 3-2 and two record in conference action, Lincoln has games against Virginia Union and Virginia State. So, hey, look, Drew, anything's possible, right? You, you got the big dogs on the menu. You want to eat? You want to you win the North? Well, hey, go beat Virginia Union and Virginia State. Good luck doing that, though. Uh, should they win uh, their season finale as – oh, hold on. I forgot to add a team. As well as their season finale against Bowie State, and Virginia State loses a game, they would be crowned division champs. Uh, so, yeah, that's a that's a tough road. That's a final. That's a final three games. That's a tough final. As we found out this weekend, Brian, prayers sometimes get answered. I thought we weren't doing that any more prayer stuff. No, I asked you not to do it. I never said that I couldn't use it. <laughs> Uh, good point. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, appreciate that right up there. Uh, Jared Hoffman over at HBCUsports.com. Shout out to him and them. Um, let me see. We went through the. So, yeah, I, I was. Look, I don't know what to do with my my top 10 rankings. I, I really feel like I'm going to roll a dice and I'm just going to see who ends up where. You know, I, I mean, honestly, I mean, after. In the Division One side, after FAMU, Central, and Tennessee State, it's a roll of the dice. Who's four and five? Who's six through ten? And then, is it any better on the uh, non-Division One mid-major side? After Benedict and Virginia State, who's the third best team? Probably Union. Maybe Union? I mean, so... I, I, I can give you mine quickly. After after Union, look who look look at this cluster. After Union, Tuskegee, Fort Valley State, Fayetteville State, Miles, Allen, Florida Memorial, who lost, West Virginia State. Did, did they win over the weekend? They didn't play. They didn't play, so they're on by. Uh, Albany State is a team many people think about. They lost. Uh, who else is a team that I didn't mention that people are hot? Isn't Langston on a bit of a winning streak right now, like four in a row or something like that? Do we need to start paying attention again to Langston? Because we kind of forgot about them after they lost those first two games to open the year, especially to uh, division lead over in that conference. 
I don't know. I think I'm, I'm let, let me hear your 10. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll get inspired. Um, Larry Sargent's asking, are we going to talk about, um, yeah, I don't know. What, what is there to talk? Can't, there to can't talk do that about? lot. What is there to talk about? Fayetteville State. No way. No way. Put that up there. No way. No, can't, no do can't, no. can't do that. I don't think they're. I've got to. I, I mean, we, we've I gotta already. Put, I got to put Allen at four. Really? I got to put Allen at four. No. I, I can't even put Allen at four. Let me hear your. So let me you hear got, your top got one. Okay. Your, you, obviously, Benedict, the two Virginia schools, State Union, would, would be three. Okay. Uh, you you really have to go with a Miles who lost to the number one team by less than one score, had a chance to beat the number one team in Benedict, and lost to a FCS. I mean, F, yeah, FCS team by one point. Who out there has a better resume about those teams that you're talking about in that cluster, Brian? Uh, let me go look at Allen's loss. Who was Allen's loss to? Allen lost to Allen got Allen got got Wally Wop by Benedict. No, not by Benedict, by Fort Valley. Fort Valley who got Wally Wop by Benedict? <laughs> I don't know that word you're using. I have no idea what anyway. Um Miles. <laughs> no, you know why you know why I can't you know why I can't you know why I can't give Miles any props? Because they lost the UAPB. I'm sorry. You lost the UAPB. UAPB FCS, might as well be a D2, Brian. UAPB is like a D2 team. That's like a D2 squad. I'm sorry. But, but Brian, okay, okay, let's let's flip that, though. Let's flip that, Brian. They beat the team that sits in second place in the SWAC East. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Good point, yeah. You yeah. gotta put Miles four if you don't. All right, all right. I'm okay. I'm you. You you just sold me on that. You sold me on my. And you know what? Yeah. I do have Miles and, and then, ahead of Allen. Five. Go ahead. So five now. You now the debate comes between Allen and Fort Valley. But since Fort Valley has a head to head, I have to put Fort Valley at five. Yeah, and but see, just, I mean, we'll stop it right there. You're doing you're doing what old school well what a lot of pollsters do. You're you're looking at week to week. When was that? Allen beat Fort Valley when? Week two three? weeks ago. Two weeks ago, no, Brian. It wasn't two weeks ago, was it? We're not talking week one. Yes. November it was September thirtieth. That was one, two, yeah, yeah, it was two weeks, weeks ago. <sighs> <laughs> Let's talk about it, Brian. That that has to be your five. Let's flip over to the uh let's flip over to the to the major division, the all right F- FCS team. <laughs> Obviously, we know who the okay. top three are. Okay. Fam and central. Yeah. One, two, whatever your whatever your preference is, you won't get an argument with me either way on who you put one and who you put two. Because there you are will, arguments on both sides. Central one, but go ahead. I'm just messing. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna use the Josh factor on this one. And he brought up a very a very good point. Oh. Those two teams have one common opponent. And when you look at Central's victory over that common opponent, 
versus FAMU's victory over that common opponent. And that common opponent is valid. The location was completely different. That is not – you can't do that. I, 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 I will give you that. I will give you that. But it's just a factor. It's just something to think about. If I'm, North I'm Carolina Central had to travel across country through on a bus through Mississippi, well, yeah, we, I would love to see we how know what happened last time they, they did up. travel to Mississippi. Thank you. What, well, what, what, let's remember what happened last time they did travel to Mississippi. Say it for everybody. Say it for everybody, Drew. What happened last time they last traveled? Last time they traveled and played them in, in Itabina, we know what happened. I say but it, Drew. Anyway, say it. Say it. They lost. They lost. Thank you. Thank you. Why? Because okay. that trip to Itabina is murder. I mean, that, I hate to say it like that, but I mean, it's 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 a tough it's a tough travel. That's it's not an easy road. trip. Just say it. It's not. Uh, it is trip. not an easy, not easy place trip. to get so, to. Is so technically, going to Indianapolis in a in in good nice hotel, the beautiful city of Indianapolis, Indiana, my hometown. I mean, that's like going to the the Rich Carlton versus where you know, fam, you had to go. I'm just saying. I mean, hell, I, yeah. if, if, if right. FAMU had gone, if but, but Brian, had gone to Indianapolis, FAMU might have put up 50. I'm just saying. Anyway, go but ahead. But Brian, here, 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 here's the thing: Get out of here. you split, you splitting hairs between which one you put one, which we, one you pick. We are, we are, we you are, know. we are. Okay, Tennessee State right now is a clear three. Right now, after that, Rolling put them in a hat, and <laughs> which number you pull out. You gotta you pull them out right now. I would go with all corn four just on the simple fact they did not play this week. That is horrible. That is horrible. And last time, last time we saw all corn, what they got a W last time we saw them. I, I, you know what, that, you know, who you else know that out, out of the rest of the, out of the rest of that group that you got, who else, who, who got a W last time you saw them? Alabama A and M, you gonna really put them in for? That's the only. That's the only other team in that cluster that actually won their last game. I just it feels dirty moving a team up four spots on my poll because right now, last week I had Alcorn State eight. It feels dirty moving them four spots and they didn't do a thing. They didn't do a thing but, Brian, but sit home. They but, did as much work on the field as I did. I feel Brian, but sometimes guess what? Sometimes everybody else mucks it up so bad <laughs> that they just fall but, below but, you, bro. But but look, but what Jack. it leaves me with Drew, hold on, hold on, hold on. Look at their record here. All corn at three and three team. Are they really better than four and three Jackson State? Are they really better than four and three Alabama AM? I mean I mean, yeah, I know they're they definitely better than four and three Alabama A and M, because because two of those victories that Alabama A and M have over D- Division two teams, so I definitely will put them ahead of Alabama A and M. And then again, and then look at this. Remember, don't forget the the cluster of Grambling, Alcorn, and Prairie View. So that still is a thing. That still is a thing. I mean, last time I went and looked at the standings, let me see. Uh, let me see. Uh-huh. Well, because Grant, yeah, Graham. See, I mean, I don't know, Drew. I, damn, I'm, I'm gonna feel dirty either way. I'm just Whatever saying, the, the, I'm, gonna feel, I'm gonna feel dirty. Yeah. All right, um, Brian. You taking a bath? You taking a bath in yesterday's water? That's the problem with these teams. Dude, 
Jesus. That feels that feels dirty. Let's, All right, let's let's, uh, let's, let's take coach. A, yeah, let's let's go ahead and call, let's uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and take a break. Get ready to talk to coach. Hey, thanks, thank you, Doctor Cavill. Thank you. It is week to week. Yeah, I guess so. So if if it's if it's week to week, then I have to, I can't do. I have to evaluate it based on through looking at the prism of six to seven games right now. Who is playing? See, you have to put that up there, Drew. Take that down. What? What? Take that down. What did? I hate what Jacksonville. Did Josh. There you go. I, I can't stand the city of Jacksonville. Seeing my Colts come to Jacksonville. There you go. There. How do I? How about them? Yeah. Anyway. Um. Anyway, let's go to break. You piss me off now. Throwing that up there. I didn't. I was doing good until I was reminded <laughs> how bad how bad my Colts are when they go to the city of Jacksonville. And my dumb ass continues to think they're going to win in that city. God bless it. All right, you're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. Coach Ferrasi Norman's coming up right after this break. Uh, hang in with us. We'll be back in just a moment. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Never not working. Never not working. Never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. When you're looking for the latest information on Southern University Sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU Athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. All right, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here joining us in his usual time slot, kind of, sort of, of hour two. It's Coach Ferrasi Norman. Uh, I think he's got to get his audio situation figured out. So Coach will be joining us in just a second. Um, hit the like button, you guys who are watching hey, us on Facebook. While we wait on YouTube. him, Brian. Oh, hold on a second. Let me finish the read here. Let me get the promos out. Uh, you're watching us wherever you're watching on the stream. 
I'm yeah, I mean, I'm trying to get it in here. You know, I don't think I've said it. So hit the thumbs up button, hit the like button wherever you are. Do me a favor, hit the share. Go ahead and share the show if you're not already subscribed to the Jericho Broadcast Network's YouTube page here. You can go ahead and do that right now. Hit the subscribe button. Uh, we appreciate everybody who continues to support the Black College Sports Network. You can do so in many ways. Uh, you can download that Jericho Broadcast Network's app on the Google Play and Apple App Store. Just search my JBM, my BCSN. You can also go check out the BCSN Pod Zone podcast of all of our shows. Uh, Saturdays, uh, Carlos Brown show is now available. And soon you'll be able to hear t- this morning's uh, uh, show featuring Dr. Cavill and, uh, you know, the uh, Sunday morning recap, as well as this show. That, too, will be available on the BCSN Pod Zone everywhere you listen and download podcasts. Just search BCSN Pod Zone. All right. I think we got Coach Coach Norman. How you doing, Coach? I'm doing well. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. How you doing today? tonight? I'm doing well, doing well. Once again, beautiful Sunday. Good to see you, brothers. As I was watching the show before I turned over, I was just thinking, you got me, you, Drew, three black men, well-educated, all graduated from HBCUs, and we all got on black shirts. <laughs> but there's a reason behind me wearing black. Yeah, me, oh, yeah. me too. I'm more. Oh, yeah, death in the family? No, yeah, I, I, yeah, I had death in my, I had the death of my family. It, it was in my Golden Tiger family, my Tuskegee yeah. family. You know that 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 home going service that we had yesterday, and uh, hey, we had Ember Waters Tigers officiating it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, that play will go down in history, and it will last in HBCU for a very, very long time. Like, wow, wow. I mean, it was just. Let's start. Let, let's start there with the. Uh, that was one of the game you did get a chance to watch. That one, correct, Coach? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I did. So, so let's go with the. Uh, the way that game played out going into the fourth quarter, I, I found some of the coaching decisions by uh, uh, Coach James of Tuskegee very interesting. Starting with being up thirty. Uh, let's see. He's down thirty-five to twenty-four. Uh, and I was trying to pull up the box score here so I could get the time on this. But essentially, uh, they're they're down 35-24. They score a touchdown with uh, – I the time escapes me. Um, but, it was late uh, in the fourth. It was late, it was late in the fourth when they got that touchdown when they went up by three. I'm uh, thinking. No, no, no. Go, I'm going back one here. Hold on. I got the summary pulled up. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay. 426. So – they scored on a five-play, 63-yard drive. Uh, mm-hmm. Christopher Roberson, seven-yard touchdown run. And instead of going for a two-point conversion, which would have cut it to two or three, excuse me, to a field goal, coach went for one. Now, with 426 to play, talk a little bit about the decision of going for two versus one at that point in time. James Hot, that was like a, a heavyweight uh, heavyweight battle back in the day when you had Muhammad Ali, greatest of all time, and like a Ken Norton or George uh, George Foreman. They was going blow for blow, striking, jab, jab, heavy hit, heavy hit, jab, jab, heavy hits. So to get to where you're saying, Brian, you're the head coach, you're sweating, your throat's dry, been there in that situation before. 
you think about the first thing you think about, okay, if I kick this, how much time is left? You glance at the clock, 426. Hmm. My guys have been playing football all day and they've been playing hard and heavy. We're a little winded. Do I want to go to twos right now? No, not really because we're playing very well. Nothing against my twos, but it wouldn't be fair to put them in. They get scored on and they feel like crap all week long. So now I still got to go with my ones, but my ones is a little gas. So I got to think about how do I help them out? So now if I go for two, you look back at the time, you still say, huh, okay, I still got 426. How do I kill this clock a little bit? So um, he, he went for one, correct? He went, he went for the extra correct. point. He went, for the, he went for the extra point. Went for one, and, and, and they put him 30. down four. Right. Yeah. With yeah. Um, 420 to play. Yeah, so now he's at 420 to play. He goes for one. He kicks off, I remember. Um, Every Waters gets it. They got a good kick return. Um, then they threw the ball. Edward Waters has a nice size offensive line. I looked it up today. Um, they got some. They got some pretty size guys. They're not. They're not small. Okay. So um, the quarterback threw the ball well all game long. Um, he's a good kid. Uh, they got good receivers. You know. But I think that the one thing he did show me, he can throw the ball deep. He threw the ball seven eight times deep. Um, they completed maybe one or two. But on this drive, they they <laughs> um, going on this particular drive going down. He threw it like. Three times, I think twice he threw it out the end zone. I was like, wow, that kid's got a strong arm. But but then, you know, you're looking at the clock and it's going down and it's fourth down and they're going for it. So I think it's like, what, fourth and two or something like that? It wasn't much to get the first down to keep going. And he's sitting in shotgun and I'm thinking, okay, how's the well, game? Hold on, let me, let me back up for a second. Let me figure out where you're at because the, the play, because I think you may be on a different play. So are we referring to after Tuskegee cut it to 35-31? Is that where we're at? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're so down I'm, there. I'm, let me read. We're the last read. drive for Edward Waters. Yeah, Doing. okay. So Edward Waters had – let's see. Okay, so first and 10, Edward Waters on their own 33, uh, run for a loss of four yards. Then on second and 14, uh, they actually had a run for nine yards, but there was a penalty, a holding. Yeah. Ten-yard penalty, which then which made it – Right. Um, Edward Waters took a timeout there. Now, that you could question, right? Why would Edward Waters call a timeout right there? You're up. You want to regroup. You want you want to regroup. You, I mean, everything's going fast. You had a penalty already. You had a, 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 a like I say, a, a, a run that didn't go very well. So you 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 need that. You need them thirty seconds to take that deep breath and say, "What are we doing? We're, we're here. What are we doing? I, I don't want to mess this up." And so okay. you consult with your quarterback. You know, you you only consult with the corner. You just look at the quarterback in the eyes and say. Young man, how you feeling? And he's like, Coach, I'm feeling fine. And do you want to go to certain play? And he probably says, Well, Coach, we only practice that twice a week. Hey, 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 we got to get it done right now. And he's like, Yes, sir. So they go back out there. Second and, and twenty-four at the Edward Waters nineteen. Yeah. Also uh, pass complete to Devin Thompson for four yards. Tuskegee called timeout. Now it's third and twenty on their own twenty-three yard line. Two fifty on the clock. Um, Edward Waters comes out again. Russell runs for 11 yards to the mm -hmm. end of 34. Timeout. Tuskegee calls a timeout. Um, probably their last. If I as I look here, I think that might have been Tuskegee's last timeout. Yeah, I remember the commentator saying that they, Tuskegee had no more timeouts, and there was still some time on the clock. Because the commentator was like, "Why would he do that with some time left?" I'm thinking, "Hey, he's trying to put his team in a great position to win." 2:29. Yeah. Okay. So good call there by by Coach James. 2:29 left to play. 
Uh, Edward Waters has to punt. Um, so in essence, what ended up happening, four plays, one yard, one minute and 59 seconds, runs off the clock. Uh, Edward Waters punted 36 yards to the Tuskegee 30-yard line. So 70 yards to win the ball game. So basically, that's what Tuskegee has to do. They have to go 70 yards with two minutes and 21 seconds left. But if I'm not, wasn't there an interception or a fumble or something? That's how they got the ball back real quickly? Because I knew it was like in two plays they got the ball back. No, not not at this point in the ball game. That may have been no. Was that later, that was earlier in the game. I remember, early. I remember they it was a fumble, then they got the ball back. I thought they got the ball back real quickly. The Skiggy got the ball back, and I thought they fumbled or threw a pick, and then um Edward Waters got the ball real quickly. No, that was a different time. Must have been must have been okay. earlier in the game. Yeah, no, I'm okay. I'm just because I, I know I was bouncing around from different games, so I probably missed that as well. Um because they got the ball back real quickly. Because once, once they like I said, they punted. It was still a little time on the clock. And if I'm not mistaken, somebody helped me out. Um, I'm thinking if they didn't throw a pick, I think there was a funk. somehow, some way they got the ball back real quick. Somebody they got the ball back real quick, and that's how they got the ball back. And I think they they tried to run it, nothing. Tried to run it, nothing. Then they threw it. And I think that's when I think he threw it out the end zone. I'm like, wow, the kid's got a strong arm. And then it was fourth, and I remember it was fourth down because he went for it. You looking at you looking at the, the charts? Am I correct? If I'm not mistaken, I remember he he went for it on fourth. I remember that, and I was like, "Whoa, that's a big gamble right there." And that's when, hey, you must be. In the, I mean, I don't know. I don't, you must be in a different quarter than where I'm at. Um, I thought we were talking about the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter. We're talking fourth quarter, the last the last two drives by with the score now 35-31. That I didn't. 35-31? Yeah, thirty scores thirty five thirty one right now. Tuskegee has the ball. On their own thirty-yard line, needing to go seventy yards. So, um, yeah, this this one was just a, a march down the field. I, there wasn't any, no, there, there was no, uh, no. I watched like four games today, so but I but I, no, I remember I, got I, got I remember um, I thought that it was like in two plays they got the ball back real quickly, and I'm like, oh, they still got they still got life. Because I remember when they when they punted, I'm like, okay, this game's over. Tuskegee got it. They won homecoming. They're gonna be celebrating all night. And then, if I'm not mistaken, I thought it was within two plays. Um, Edward Waters got the ball back, and then that's when, like I say, they tried to run it, and they threw it twice downfield, um, out the end zone because the receivers didn't drop it. And then, anyway, on that last play, fourth down, if I'm not mistaken, it was like fourth and some inches, fourth and yards. Because I was thinking, wow, what, what, what's going on? And that's when, like I say, history changed, man. History changed. That was just a – It was if you go back, watch the big fellas up front, like I always say, they was on three-point stand. Excuse me. It's, um, they had they had great blocking. The quarterback had time. There was no pressure. Okay? There was a beautiful pocket, so we're going to have to get a big fellas their credit. He was able to step up and um, just threw it. He threw it high. And, my, like I said, we know he's got a strong arm. And then, by the grace of God – the one kid who catches the ball was his only catch all game long, and he comes down with it. <laughs> I know, Drew, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then the commentator would just – it sounded like something from the NFL. He catches it. Oh, my God, he catches it. And I was just like – my mouth just hit the ground like, wow. Wow. You know, but like I say, man, that that that, that throw will go a part of history. That quarterback, for the rest of his life, will always be able to tell his kids and grandkids what, what dad and grandpa did. 
Here's the ball game here. Takes the snap. Russell back to pass. Russell looking. Russell's going to throw near side. This one is going to be tipped. It is. Did he make the catch? Caught! Touchdown, Illinois! Touchdown, Tigers! Touchdown, Tigers! Touchdown, Tigers! Isaiah McCorker! Are you kidding me? The Hail Mary is answered! Isaiah McCorker! Touchdown, Edward Waters! Coach, coach, you got to tell me. Oh, my goodness! Hit the, hit the, hit that. Touch. Coach, you got to tell me. There is no way that you just ran, you just, they just did that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The previous play. The previous play they sure did. And and they almost caught it the previous play. Yes, they did. So, do you do the exact, I mean, you, don't you, don't you say to your D.C., Hey, send a fourth man, or do you shout something to your DBs? Hey, if he gets wide open, tackle somebody, commit a personal foul. Don't let the guy just run uncontested. <laughs> I, I mean, don't you? Do you? Do you not? I, I don't know. I, how is that coached up at? In, in- yeah, if you do, you do. You um, you 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 send four or five back. You be in a prevent. Prevents when everybody's 10, 12 yards deep. Except your D line, your linebackers are ten yards deep, your corner safeties, everybody's ten yards deep. You're expecting it because they just went for it, and like you said, they almost caught it. So as a head coach, you're, you're screaming, you're telling your, you're telling your D coordinator, so you're both screaming, prevent, prevent, and you're moving your hands like this. So you're saying, get back, get back, Frosty, get back, AD, get back, Brian, get back, get back. So everybody's looking, everybody's getting back, getting back. And once again, you can tell. I heard someone earlier talk about, do they practice this play? Yes, you practice that play. Now it's not something that you practice every day, all day, but you practice it at least twice a week because you just never know when you're gonna need it. So as you know, go back. The quarterback didn't. He didn't. He didn't um, hesitate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we gave That's pressure to the line. About. There was no pressure. No, 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 no. no. You're, you're, you're not blitzing right now because you're being in a prevent because you already know they got to go to the end zone. Three points ain't gonna work. That, but at least they got to go to the end zone. Fourth man, give me a fourth man. You just gave him three, three versus five. Come on, that's not even fair. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's got all day. He he, he yeah. just showed yeah. he had all day to throw 45, 50 yards. On the play before, yeah, no, I, he I, did, he did. But I mean, to blitz in that situation is it's that's a gamble for sure. It, it's a gamble for sure, you know. So you got to have a player um, that you know that can get there because if not, you get what you get. So it's best me. I'm gonna be what I, I'm gonna be what they were in. I'm gonna be in a prevent. That's the best way to um, cover your butt, and that's the easy word to say for it, you know, because I don't want courage. But cover your butt. So just being a prevent, and you know, you just that's just one of them things where you know God bless that young man. But like I said, that was his first catch of the day. So he gets to tell everybody, my only catch, win the game, you know. But that quarterback, he's got to be feeling like Heisman Trophy winner because that was just beautiful. You go back to that play, once again, that pocket was beautiful. He stepped up. He didn't panic. He tossed it, and it came down, you know. And it was just like – and that's why I say it would be part of HBCU history. I mean, that's a game that when they talk about HBCU games, they'll have to talk about that one. They will have to talk about that one. They will. They will. Uh, question, question Coach. Edward. Talk Edward, to me, brother. Thank you. Rush five, and don't give him time to get that. Thank you, Edward. Oh, go ahead, Drew. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. One thing I did notice, because, you know, I've spent a little bit of time at defensive back uh, in my very brief non-college football playing career. But the one thing that I noticed when I went back and watched that replay is I still saw the D-backs backpedaling while the receivers were running full spring, full speed as they got to about the 20 and 15 yard line, 
it don't take a genius to figure this out. Two seconds. The ball is going to the end zone. Why am, why are we backpedaling at that point in time instead of turning, sprinting, getting to the goal line, getting to the end zone, getting to where the ball the point of attack? Because it's a lot easier to take your momentum and to go forward if you are if you're already in that general area than to try to backpedal or catch up with the ball once it's in the air. So, you know, that was just the one thing I noticed about the coverage in the in the defensive backfield. They were still backpedaling while that ball, while he was stepping up in the pocket to throw the ball. Did you have to you notice know, that also, Coach? I didn't notice it till right now till you, till you just bring it up, brother. But as a defensive back, I coached DBs before. You don't ever want to turn your back to the quarterback because he can take off and run at any time. So you may be thinking he's passing. You turn around and turn. He knows that you got your back to him. He takes off. He picks up because there still was time on the clock. So he takes off and gets your yards. So now you're wrong. You practice backpedaling every day. That's why you're a defensive back. Plus, you don't ever want to let this receiver run past you because me as a coach, I tell my guys all the time, if I ever look up and the guy's two yards behind you or in front of you, you're coming out the game. So you're just backpedaling because, you know, once again, we know he's got to go to the end zone. We know this. So just backpedal, keep this guy in front of you or stay with him, you know, and the ball's in the air. Okay, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I can out of my peripheral. I see this guy here. I know my brother's got his guy. I know my other brother's got his guy. So we see the ball. It's coming down. I'm, I'm still looking for my guy to make sure he don't wiggle around and try to jump in front of me. And then here comes this kid who, as they got this verbiage these days, mosses us. You know, and your heart just drops. You're like, wow, yeah. because I did everything right. I backpedaled. My guy was with me. I kept, I made sure I, I spied the quarterback. His coach, I would say, spied the quarterback. I spied the quarterback. So in that play, you know, no one was wrong. I would just say, great throw, great catch. Like you do in the backyard with your little brother, throwing catch. You know, it just once again, we saw history. We saw history. Yeah, I, and and like I said, I'm not, I'm not down there, but I, I guess maybe the way I was kind, kind of talk. You know, you see it. You, op you open up your hips, head, head over your shoulder, and you, and you ready to stop on the dime and come back in case they run one of those uh, twenty lateral plays or something like that, or in case the quarterback does decide to take off and, and try to run for it and try to do a uh, Michael Vick and run for the final forty six yards of the of the play. But it, it was just something about that. And every time that I've seen that Hail Mary work, it's because the the defensive backs were they were backpedaling and not able to recover quick enough to get to the to the jump ball point basically because they were a little bit slow in their back pedal so may you know may, maybe that's just me uh it's just an observation like i say I'm, I'm not questioning the coaching or the teaching of it it's just something that i've picked up on not only in that play but the couple of successful hail mary plays that i have seen in that situation where they, they just aren't quite there to get there because you want to be there because you know it's going to be a jump ball. You don't want to be moving on the jump ball. You want to be there so that you can plant and use your vertical dive. If if you get balls, then you got a, a 5'10". I'm, I'm a 5'10 person. You got somebody 6'5 jumping over me. Hell, God just blessed him with longer arms and a little bit more of a vertical. He was able to get that over me. But at least I'm, I want to be in place where I can get in and make the – you know, make an attempt, or if I see he's gonna get it, at least try to punch it out of his hands before he can land. Before he can land on his feet, I'm done with this play. Let's move on to another doggone game, Brian. Sh shout out once again, Joshua Jackson. Appreciate the call. Don't appreciate who the team who the team <laughs> team that you called it against. Anyway, let's move on. Oh, uh, 
Um, okay. The uh, Benedict Tigers. Thursday. Thursday. Thursday night game against Fort Valley. Now you take me back. Yeah, we got to go. But yeah, we'll come back to Sunday in a second. But I just thought while we were in the SIC, we would talk about this heavyweight fight. No problem. That were unbeaten in conference play coming into it. Um, you know, and I think we had high expectations. I think a lot of folks had high expectations for a closer game than what we got. And just kind of going back and looking at the stats, um, you know, Benedict or Fort Valley scored first. Mm-hmm. They kicked the field goal. Field goal after an 11-play drive. Mm-hmm. And Benedict just, they scored, touchdown, scored, field goal, another field goal. Scored, scored on every possession in the first half. And before you knew it, they were looking up at a 20, 20 to three, uh, 20, no, 20, yeah. actually had an interception as well. So thanks to a pick six, they were up yeah. seven. Um, did I have that right? Yeah. The pick six made it 27 to three, actually 27 to six. Fort Valley got a late field goal. Um, went on to win 20, 48, six compared to a week ago in which Benedict, really kind of let a game get out of their control. I mean, this one, they they, they control from start to finish, I would say. Um, they continue to impress, don't they, Benedict? This was the first time I've seen Benedict all year. I've been hearing everybody talk about how good they are. Um, the only thing I really hear about is their defense and everything like that. Didn't really hear much about the offense, defense, defense. So I was really excited to see Benedict, um, to see what's really going on and how, you know, how good are these guys really are. And I was, man... I was impressed. Like you say, going back to that game, I can see it. Um, they got the kick return. They got a good kick return. They drove down. I will say this, Fort Valley, once again, they have some big boys. They're all 6'1", 6'4", 285, 320. So they're not small up front. And they did a good job blocking. They got a good running back. That brother ran hard. I don't know his name, but he ran hard. They got a good quarterback with an arm. But, Brian, I'm going to say this. I'm 51. Everybody knows that. I'm a football connoisseur. I love old school football. What I saw from Benedict, I don't want people to put this in the same perspective, but I'm going to put this in perspective so I want people to see what I'm talking about. That defensive line from Benedict, they are the heart and soul of that team. They're the A-order. Everybody knows the A-order is the main thing to punch the heart. That defensive line is just incredible. That's what pumps that defense, man. That big line from Fort Valley had a hard time blocking them guys, and they're not very big. I looked at their roster. They're, 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 they're average size. They're 225. They're 240. You got a couple 250s. I think I saw one guy that was over 300. But other than that, they're, 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 they're 245, 255, but they was coming with it. Now, um, they don't have any Joe Greens, you know, because they remind me of a lot of that uh, still current defense with the Steelers. They don't have a Joe Green. That's, that's a guy that never be um, duplicated ever again. But that defensive line makes that defense. They was on their head, man. Twice, the running back got his helmet knocked off because they was hitting, okay? Um, they was able to get to the quarterback several times. Um, he got pressured. Uh, one time, I think it was early in the game, might have been the third series, they was coming so fast, he just threw the ball. And Benedict intercepted it and took it like 50, 60 the other way. I think I remember the number zero, number zero. I don't know the kid's name, but number zero, he weaved through the crowd and took it all the way. Right. I think the quarterback I, I threw two. It. Yeah, yeah. I think the quarterback threw two or three picks because he was under pressure. He didn't have time to sit back there and make tea and, and talk on the phone. I mean, he had to play some football. He had to move around left, right. Uh, Benedict's defense is carrying that team. Shout out to that D coordinator and that D line coach. None against Coach Barry. He's a great coach. We all know that. But that defense. It's carrying them, man, and that defense is impeccable, and they get to it. That You can tell they love playing football. What I saw, 
is after they made tackle and got to the quarterback, they picked each other up, they hustled back to the huddle, and they get ready for the next play. That's what you want from your defense. I didn't see them bending over. I didn't see them getting tired. I saw them rotate some guys and keep them fresh. But once again, it starts with that defensive line when it comes to Benedict football 2023. That defensive line is impeccable. I think I'm, I'm going to say this now. I've watched. I've been with you guys since August. We're in, what, October? And I saw at least 20 HBCU teams. They got the best They got the best D-line in HBCU football. Now, they're probably not the biggest, but they have the best defensive line in HBCU football. Yeah, they, they were active. Yeah. Listen and to it the doesn't, It doesn't help. Let me, let me let me give the numbers here, uh, and then Drew go. Then I'll let okay. you go ahead. Um, Benedict had ten and a half tackles for loss, uh, three sacks, um, four forced fumbles, uh, which they recovered two of them. They had two interceptions. Uh, of course, one of them was a pick six. Mm-hmm. Uh, a total of what counted as six quarterback hurries. Mm-hmm. Two pass breakups. I mean, and, and and held. Let's see. In total, uh, when I go look at the total offense, held Fort Valley to two hundred and thirty-three total yards on sixty-six plays, three point five average. I mean that that's a outstanding job by the defense. Yeah. they shut them down. I mean, they shut them down. Now I will say this for Fort Valley. I didn't see any quit in them. I didn't see no one walking up the field with their head down. You know, you talk to never walk on the field. I mean, never walk on the field. I didn't see them walking on the field. I didn't see them arguing with each other on the sideline because they were getting dominated. Let's just be real about it. They, 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 kept, they kept playing, man. And so I have to take my hat off to them and their coaching staff. Although they were getting, you know, beat up very badly and the score was just increasingly. They got embarrassed. They didn't hold their heads down. They played football. So they got a good team over there and that coach is doing a good job with them. But Benedict, that defense – is what's keeping him at number one. What were you going to add, Drew? Yeah. I was going to say, uh, I was going to say, it doesn't help if you're a Fort Valley. You've got a short week. You're on the road, and you've got a quarterback who's coming off of a well, who's fighting through a. I don't know if it was a high ankle sprain or just a regular ankle sprain. I doubt if it was a high ankle sprain because he probably wouldn't have played. But uh, you could tell Kelvin Durham's mobility was severely limited to avoid the Benedict rush to be able to step up in the pocket like he normally would or to be able to sidestep some of those Benedict defenders. And like you said, Coach, that is the wrong defensive line to be going against if you're not close to 100%. I think, hey, I, I don't, I've never seen a kid play, but even if he was at 100%, I mean, proof's in the pudding. Th- those boys at D-line, they're real. And so if he would have been even healthy, I think they would still have been the same, Drew. They was they was on him. They was on him. And once again, Fayetteville, I mean, Fayetteville, um, Fort Valley, I do apologize. Fort Valley, they got big boys up front, and they couldn't stop them, brothers. They could not stop them, guys. They, they had one goal, one heartbeat, one mindset. Stop the run, pressure the quarterback, and they did that. Once again, Fort Valley's running back, he ran hard. Like I say, he... I saw twice where he had to leave the game because he lost his helmet, which means he was running hard. But then the, that D-line, they they make that team. They they Everyone on that team, offense, defense, special team, they eat off their plate. That defensive line is impeccable, man. And I'm going to say it again, the best D-line in HBCU football. Um, uh, Drew, I think there's going to be I, a I want, serious uh, – Kayla Chavis says – oh, excuse me. Kayla Chavis questions whether they're the best D-line in football. Kayla, I want you to put in the chat. 
who you think is who has a better defensive line than Benedict at any level in HBCU football. If you're going to yeah. put that out there, you got to give me, you got you got to give me another team to compare them to. Yes, please, 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 because I've, I've like I say, I don't know how many games he saw, but I know me. I've seen at least twenty different teams. And that D line, when when you talk about Benedict, first thing I think about is that D line. I ain't think about the O line. You know, I'm O line guy. I ain't thinking about them, the quarterback, the running back. I'm thinking about that defensive line. They are very, very good. Very, very um, good. Not, he he put he said Fam you, coach. You've seen Fam you. Do you think Fam you is better than Benedict's defensive line? No, uh, no. Fam you plays D one football, and they and they and they probably got some bigger boys. But Fam you, let's be real about it. They live off Jerry Musa, their quarterback. When I think of FAMU, I'm thinking of Musa, honestly. I know you guys are FAMU guys, so I don't know how you think it, but when I think of FAMU, I think of that quarterback. When I think of Benedict, I'm thinking of that D-line. All right, Brian, it's time. ONG strike zone time. Let's hear the debate from the ONG strike zone side. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I'm going to come back to the to the quarterback. Since Coach is talking about quarterbacks, I'm going to come back to quarterback, and where I was going to go is I think, especially after this game, we're going to have to start – there's going to be an interesting debate over these last few weeks for SIC Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, Aeneas Dennis, he may not be averaging 362 yards a game like David Wright in the air. He doesn't have the most touchdowns as Jiren Russell. But what he does have, he has 11 touchdowns against two interceptions. Uh, he has an efficiency rating of 150. Point six, which is just behind Russell and completion percentage, 64%, which is the best of the three quarterbacks. Uh, and he's thrown for just under 1,800 yards. Uh, David Wright's over 2,100, almost 22, and Russell's almost at two. So what I'm saying is that, that offensive race, it'll be interesting. He's leading, you know, Coach, you talked about the defense, but they have – a very efficient, a very good uh, quarterback. Who, oh, we're still talking about Benedict. We're still talking about Benedict. We're talking about Benedict's quarterback. I, I'm talking about Benedict's quarterback. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm saying Aeneas Dennis. I'm, I'm just saying what I'm saying is these last three to four weeks, his name should be in the hunt for SIC Player of the Year, right there along with David Wright and Jiren Russell. And and you know you can go. Everyone can go look up the stats on the SIC dot uh, com. And you'll see, look at the touchdown to interception ratio. Look at the completion percentage. I mean, he's third in yards, just under 1,800 yards. Um, you know, I it's nothing to sneeze at with what he's with what he's doing there. So I, no, I just no, no, no. I, I saw him. He, no, Brian. I mean, once again, I'm not trying to hate on nobody. I'm not a hater. No, no, no. Um, uh, but he, and he's a good quarterback, and his stats speak for themselves. But what I'm saying is, Benedict is correct me six and zero, correct? Seven, seven, seven and zero. Because of that defense. And then right. he gets that quarterback. Yeah, he's real and he's doing his job. But that defense, brother, is is incredible. And it starts with that D line. That's what I'm saying. Right. All right. Uh let's let's uh move over to another game. Um you you were shocked. Look, we knew somebody had to we call this someone had to win this game. Someone had to win between Valley and Arkansas Pine Bluff. Oh, someone, oh. <laughs> someone, someone had to come out of the uh, oh, someone, had to get their, someone had to get their first conference win. And it was Valley putting 42 points on the board against Arkansas Pine Bluff uh, to win their first game of the season. So we can cross them off of the winless line. 
And uh, but just the fact that they put 42 points up on UAPB, um, that was pretty pretty impressive. Um, I was I told you I would go and look and see when's the last time that they put up 40 something points. So yeah, I, I was about to I'll, ask you that. Yeah, when I'll, is I'll, that, Brian? I'll, I'll look. You you go ahead and you you talk about your thoughts on the game, and I'll. Uh, let me see if I can quickly find the last time Valley put up 40-something points on somebody. Okay. Um, like I say, I've been really um, hell-bent on coaching at the HBCU level, although I'm HBCU guy. Everybody knows that progress at Lakeshore University for the last two years. So I've been paying as much attention to football as possible. I don't remember Valley putting up them kind of points. So, Brian, I, like I say, if you can find it, please help me. And I'm going back two years. So we're at 2023. I'm talking about since 2021, and that, that's that, right. Was that when COVID hit? Right after COVID, right when Dion first took over at Jackson State is when I really started paying attention to like saying, "Hey, this is where I need to be at with all the experience and knowledge I have. I need to be over there." And I don't remember Valley putting up them kind of points. Now we always said somebody was going to get one first. Um, I didn't even know who had done what until I was watching AD and the guys earlier Dr. Cavill show when they had mentioned that Valley beat UAPB. My mouth drops. I said, okay, uh, hold on. Did I hear that correctly? Huh? And then, so I'm thinking, oh, was that a 7-6, 14-12, you know, uh, 17-16? So when me and Brian was talking, he says, oh, no, coach, that was 4-2-17. I was like, huh? (laughs) Said it again. He said it again. He said 42-17. And I said, no, 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 no. That can't happen. Now, once again, I'm not hating on the coach at Mississippi Valley. He's got what I want. I had a coaching job at HBCU level. Hopefully, I get one this year. But... I was just like, I thought Pine Bluff was going to be better. I didn't, I didn't see that coming from Valley. But I will There's say kudos to that coach and that coaching staff because after you lose your first two games of D2s, I know that had to be um, comical walking around campus, especially going into coaching meetings and then with your team probably looking at you funny like, hey, what are we doing here? But that just goes to show you that that brother, he looked in the mirror every day and he knew who he was. And so he went and he kept his team motivated and he kept his coaches motivated. And like I said every week, he kept hitting that rock. And so they put up 42 points, man. That's, that's, that's like, wow. You know? And so um, on the other side of that coin, Pine Bluff, I don't know much about that brother. I know I said he's an alumni from Pine Bluff. He was coaching with, um, I think he coached with uh, somebody big at some D1 or something like that. I don't, like I said, I don't know much about him, but I do know this. Um, you're not supposed to get beat by Valley like that. You just, that's not supposed to happen. It's not supposed to happen. Um, Nothing against that brother. Once again, I don't know him, but he's got to do a better job of coaching because that's to be real about it. That's embarrassing. Let's just be 100. That's embarrassing to get beat 42 to 17 by Mississippi Valley. FAMU, yeah. Southern, Jack State, yeah. Mississippi Valley, no, no, no. I know he's a first-year guy, everything like that, but that game was supposed to be close. But then what that goes to tell you is that Valley had frustration going all the way back a couple years. You know, like I tell you, Brian, it's kind of like when you've just been picked on all year long at school, then then finally you just get mad and you knock the guy out in the hallway. And you're like, and everybody's looking at you like, wow. You know, and it's and, and you and it's just you're just frustrated because mom, dad's on you to make good grades, grandma's on you to come over on every weekend to cut the grass. You've been picked on by this bully, you're trying to talk to the pretty girl, but he's embarrassing you, and you just get frustrated and you throw that left. And I think that's what Mississippi Valley got. I think they was frustrated about the first two wins and the season one going right. And the team was probably starting to question, why are we here? And naturally, they're, they're going to always question the head coach. And the assistant coach are probably saying, why am I with this guy? But once again, he kept his guys together. He kept everybody positive. 
and, 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 they, and they hit that chin. When you hit that chin, it drops the body. And, hey, so I say two thumbs up to Mississippi Valley. Keep it going. Um, but I will say Arkansas Pine Bluff and their coaching staff, you you, you got to do better than that, brother, because you're not supposed to lose Mississippi Valley like that. It's just That's not supposed to happen. That's just not supposed to happen. Okay, well, look, uh, you you say it's not supposed to happen, but let me let me say this. <laughs> going back, I'm just gonna stop here at 2016, right? Wow, um, 2016? No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. That that's not what I'm. That's not where I'm done. Yeah, hold on, because um, in the last, let's see, what year was that? Marcus, I saw Marcus put it out there in 21. That was the last time that they beat. Uh, last time they scored 40-plus points was actually in 2021. They beat Alabama State on senior night, 44-31. Uh, to 31. Two years what, ago. Yeah, two years ago. Now, what's interesting, though, it's the third time in the last five times that UAPB, that Mississippi Valley State has scored more than 40 points that the opponent has been UAPB. Wow. They, uh, at 2018... <laughs> For homecoming on October 20th, they beat them 48 to 47 in double overtime. I don't know if that counts because it's double overtime. I'm doing my thing, man. What you want? And, and then in 2016, on November 5th, they beat UAPB 41 to 7. So that those are just the last five times that Valley has scored more than 40 points. Um, and like you said, so three of those occurrences have been uh, against UAPB. So uh, you, you know what I'm thinking right now? This song popped in my head, my head. Hey, baby, baby, I got your number. <laughs> Cause they do only time they do that is the pine bluff. <laughs> only time they do that is the pine bluff. Now I'm a Langston Lion, so Pine Bluff was, was our rival, you know, but I'm not against them, but you know, I'm not for them. But I'm when you when you when you were talking about the stats, the only time that popped in my head was hey, baby, baby, we got your number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and, and what's what, you're funny, coach. And then uh there's some there's some in in those years in 2060 now this 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 is the this is the part that Valley has to sort of eat some be, be prepared for. In those years when they beat UAPB and scored 40 on them, that was their only win in 2016 and 2018. So you know, you, you scored 40 something. And that was your only win of the entire hey, season. A.D. Brian, I know you guys got them top-notch computers. You know, I'm still working off an iPhone. I'm a little guy over here. But can you see um, Mississippi Valley's rest of their schedule? Who else do they got? Is, it, is this going to hold true? Is this, is this going to be the only one? Oh, I can, t- I can tell you that right now because I'm actually on the schedule page right now. Uh, they have Jackson State this weekend at home. Travel to Alcorn, to Bethune, Alabama State at home. To Alabama A and M, I put a question mark by the bassoon. The only other, yeah, other ones, I go with L, but I put a question mark by the bassoon. Yeah, there's an opportunity there when they when they play Bethune. That's an opportunity. Who who just lost? But Bethune's going to be looking for their only victory of the season in the SWAC, and Bethune's at home. Well, and hey. just like even though the road is better, but just like. Uh, just like getting an Itabina, you got to fly in and then bus over. They'll yeah. fly either into Jacksonville or Orlando and then bus down, bus over to Daytona. 
Um, speaking of Bethune, coach, let's and get that's probably let's get, after they have to bust the Jackson to fly out. <laughs> um, let, speaking of Bethune, well, more so Bethune's opponent, uh, Texas Southern, who ended up getting a a win, um, uh, um, this past uh, weekend on their homecoming game, um, thirty four to thirty one was the final score. Uh, but uh, I think a late, I think there was a late score there with 36 seconds left that kind of cut that. It was really 34-24. But the story is Ladarius Owens. I don't think uh, Bethune had an answer for Ladarius Owens. Um, the running back from Texas Southern. Nine, yes, 19 carries, 163 net yards, three touchdowns, uh, and then. Uh, one catch 24 yards and i think you even pointed out he did a little work on special teams as yes. well he had four returns for 142 yards yeah yeah so i don't he know had 100 yards so i'm doing quick math here drew is that a 300 all-purpose yards over easy yeah i'm if i'm not mistaken yeah. i know one, i one, thought he had 100 yards receiving but okay he didn't but i knew he had 100 rushing and 100 returns and he, he caught a couple no. balls that that uh he 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 was on fire he was on fire so, so twenty so someone do the math here one sixty three net rushing twenty four mm-hmm. receiving and then uh one hundred and forty two kickoff returns that's over three hundred that's yeah. three that's that's three twenty something I didn't catch the last number one forty what two one forty two uh that should be three twenty nine if I did that quickly in my head. 329 all-purpose yards for Ladarius Owens. Well, congratulations, Ladarius. You just became the focus of a FAMU scouting report for this upcoming week. Yeah. He did a great job, Brian and AD. He did a great job that I was saying he should just be SWAT player of the week. He should oh, be he's HBCU got player of the week. He should be oh. HBCU player of the week because, I mean, those numbers are incredible, especially from a running back. But once again, we got to start up front. You know, I'm an O-line guy. That means they was blocking for 19K for 100 some odd yards, everything like that. Um, the big fellas, and they got a big line. You know, it's Texas football, so everything's big in Texas. We know that. So um, I kudos to that young man. Um, it was a good game. You know, at one time, I did think Bethune could get it. Um, quarter late in the third, I think the quarterback threw a pick, and I was just like, wow, he's a big kid. Um, he, that was one mistake I, I remember him, him making, and the game was close and tight. Something, buddy, you didn't need to do that there. Um, thing that sticks out for me for Bethune is once again, they got a nice size line. Of course, you know, I'm an old line connoisseur. They got a nice size line, and they had two running backs that was toting the pill for them. And they weren't very big. They, they, um, just by looking at them, um, they were like 175, 180. They weren't 200. They weren't, they weren't 200, but they was, they was running that ball inside those tackles, and they was getting three, four, five a pop. So I'm gonna say they had a steady run game. Not gonna blame the game on the quarterback, but I do, I remember late in the game that interception hurt. But the thing that sticks out in my mind about that game was that running back from Texas Southern. I'm thinking, wow, this kid is real. This kid is real. And another thing, that quarterback, I think they say he was like third string. He wasn't playing like a third stringer. He was delivering that ball. Remember a couple weeks ago, I was saying they had, to, you know, they had a couple of drop balls that was deep. I'm like, oh, you know, um, they didn't have that this week. He was completing his passes. Um, the O line did a good job blocking for him. Um, you could tell they had a mindset of going down there because when the game was close. They didn't, you know, sometimes you'll see Texas Suns, they'll, 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 they'll panic a little bit. They'll fumble through a pick. They, they stay poised. They stay poised. So um, I know they still got a hard schedule ahead of them, but that was a good win for them. But the thing that sticks out in my mind, that running back. 
if he doesn't get HBCU Player of the Week, I'm, I mean, you got to show me who does. I mean, because that I mean the stats speak for themselves. That brother was playing football. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're right. Texas Southern is on the third quarterback. You know, Andrew Body uh, shut it down for the season, taking a medical red shirt. And then the number two entered the transfer portal uh, before the four-week period so that he was able to protect his year of eligibility. So, yes, the guy who's playing now is started the season as number three on the depth chart. He's playing good football. He, he's, he's throwing the ball better than I saw him a couple weeks ago. They're catching the ball better. Uh, the O-line, you know, they're, they're doing a good job for him. But once again, that running back, I mean, I think, I think if I'm the coaching staff, we got to depend on him a lot more than what we have been doing the first four or five weeks. Get that, get that young man the ball and see what happens because I don't think the SWAC East or West is locked. I know you guys are FAMU guys and FAMU is a tough team, but I still think that race is open. And if they depend on that running back a little more, who knows what can happen? Uh, you know, I anything's possible. I mean, look, I mean, outside of the – you know, the FAMU game, um, you know, they travel to Southern, they travel to Jackson State, and then they host Alcorn and UAPB. Um, you know, um, who, who knows? I mean, I, you know, anything's possible. I'm not going right, to – look, uh, here's – Texas Southern's won two games in a row. There's a funny thing. What winning can do to your uh, outlook on, on your season, you know? So here's a team that – you know, had a, such a horrible start. Uh, then you lose your starting quarterback and you got all these other things going on uh, around that. And you got to somehow find a way to focus on winning. And that's what they did. They, they, they went on along. They came off a homecoming win. Uh, they had a bye week. And then they went on a road trip and got a win. So that, that's got to give them a lot of confidence. Yes when they host FAMU, who will be bringing a large contingent of people. Or there will be a ton of orange is that, and is green. That, is that game in Houston? It is in Houston. Um, it'll be on ESPN Plus. Okay. Yes. And, and uh, it's, a, it's a night game, 7 what o'clock time, what, at night. Okay. Okay. Put me down. Uh, I'll be watching that one. Which I, which I think is uh, 7 Central, so that'll be 8 Eastern. Which would be so, six yeah. o'clock my time. Yeah, you're you're six your time. So you even got a better time slot than what I got. Uh, that means I'm gonna have to Red Bull and Celsius. <laughs> I'll be I'll be powering up on Celsius power drinks just to stay awake for the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, just take a mid afternoon nap, Brian. I, I may have to. I may have to. I may have to. Okay, um, Coach. Any other any other any other points that we might have missed on that you wanted to touch on before? We end our time with you tonight. I saw the Norfolk State and Tennessee State game. That was a good one there. Eddie George is doing a good job with Tennessee State. Cleanest uniforms um, of the week. Hey, oh, for sure, for know, sure. You know, those those um, helmets were 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 nice. Nice. Well, nice. You know, that uniform, that blackout, it was nice. It was. Yes, yes, yes. I, I would like to say though, I'm wondering why they keep the fans keep leaving early for Tennessee State. They're not showing no love or support for the head coach. Or the team that that hurts when you look up and you see people leaving and you're playing as hard as you can play because what are they like three and one now three and two I mean they're, they're playing good football four and two they're playing good football but people keep leaving on them so I, I was just trying to figure that one out and Norfolk State they quarterback had a streak um, you got some checkings I know you got some high priced computers. 
but I think he had like nine games in a row where he threw a touchdown. But yesterday, he scored three on the ground. Um, he scored one that I questioned. That was a, a quarterback sneak late in the second, right before the half. I still have to question that when I think the ref just threw his arms up because I've seen a couple of kids from Tennessee State walk over to the ref, not in a violent manner, but kind of look at him like, hey, what's going on? Because if you go back to that play right on the goal line, they, they tried to run it twice, didn't get it. And his quarterback they got, Norfolk State, he's like 6'5", like Ben Rossenberg. He's a big kid. So it's like going back and forth, going back and forth, going back and forth, and then you just seen the referee throw his hands up. It was 17-6 at that time. And because, like, Tennessee State dominated that first quarter. I mean, they, 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 they had a good kick return. They ran the ball. They played two quarterbacks. Each quarterback threw the, threw the touchdown in the first quarter. Second quarter, it was kind of even out. Second half, um, Norfolk State ran the ball a little bit, a little bit better. Uh, Tennessee State, that quarterback, um, fast forwarded because, like I said, I still got someone's going on in my brain. But I do remember this late in the fourth to just put it away. They did a quarterback power. When the boot bootleg because bootleg means he tries to fake to a running back runs around. They did a quarterback power where they pulled both guards, both guards. They got big size linemen. Saw big linemen this week. I, I like to see big fellas. You know, I got I was talking to Drew the other day, and we saw one school that had two forty two fifties. I'm like, brother, you can't play like that. But anyway, they did a good job of pulling the guards. He stepped back, waited for his blocking. He ran around, and I think that's how they sealed the win because he stayed on the outside of both of those those guards and ran it in for about eight to ten yard touchdown run. That was a beautiful play. Um, he's a good athlete. They got a good team over there. So I would, if anybody from Tennessee State is is, is listening, you got to stand support your team. You know, you got to get you got to give them kids momentum and hope to know that they're, they're playing for each other, but they're also playing for the name on that jersey, which says Tennessee State. To leave at halftime or early in the third, and as an ex-athlete, I turn around and you're leaving. That hurts because now we're thinking, what do we do wrong? We're winning football games. That's why we're here. We're winning, and they're leaving us. So they, I guess Eddie George has got to sit down with his president and student body president and say, hey, what do we got to do? Maybe we got to have some clowns and throw some candy or something in the stands. But, I mean, I've, I heard the commentator say it's like three weeks in a row that they're, they're leaving. And I'm like, wow, come on, HBCU. You know what I mean? They're not leaving at Notre Dame, Georgia, Florida, USC. So why are we leaving? Come on. We, we, we have to stand tall and stand proud. That, that's a – you bring up an – I can answer that question. He brings up – you bring up an interesting debate. And I, I disagree a bit with you, uh, J-Mac – about it being an HBCU thing, because if I do recall, I looked at, you know, not only the clips of the Tuskegee game, uh, the Jackson State game, there were people, plenty of people still in the stands. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think you just have a disconnect happening right now between Tennessee State alumni and fans and supporters and the administration or there is a I think there's a frustration with being on the outside like and and, and they're showing it they're showing it I, I I think I really think that they're saying there's a disconnect between saying that we're 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 on the outside now I, I do say winning will change all of this winning will they're change winning. all of this. they're winning well, yeah had, but but it hasn't worked so far yeah, but the four and two is like and they're beating a, HBCUs. There's that's a smidge over five hundred. So when when I'm talking about winning, win your conference. When, the last time that Tennessee State has won the OVC is in. I don't. It's been a while. It's, it's been, been a long time. And, and that's a birth in the playoffs. I think it was the eighties, so, honestly. Yeah. So technically, there is a long period of being close, but not quite. 
there. And because you're playing those teams in the OVC and the, and who've had better ranked teams, you know, so I, I think it does take a little time and do a little bit of winning. But but I I, I won't I won't subscribe to the it's an HBCU thing. I, no, I, I really either. don't. I'm, I'm, I'm not, not. I'm not going to subscribe to that. Um, I'm not going either. Think, I, I think you. there's I think there's something else going on there, and I I think it, uh, it it's a it, it but but you know you you know I don't I don't know we we don't have time. Um, hey, real quickly, I played at Langston, and when I was at Langston back in 95, 96, we were considered the smallest HBCU out there. We had about 3,200 students, and I never once saw our crowd leave. I, I can honestly say that. I never once saw our crowd leave. So, Brian, I'm with you. I'm not buying into the HBCU thing. It could be a winning thing, but they're four and two. They're four and two. Come on. Come on. AD, I know you said you had something to say, so go ahead and say it, brother, because I know you guys got to get moving or anything like that, but I'm not buying into that. It's an HBCU thing. I don't really know what's going on, but they have to stand supporting brothers and them coaches. Give them a reason to want to continue to win. If not, then, like I say, you ain't won anything since the 80s, then go back to losing. Because Eddie George is working his butt off over there. We all know that. He's doing the best he can do at that head coach position. He's got good assistance. He's got a good team. You got to stay and finish that game for him. You got to stay and finish that game. AD, talk to me, brother. Maybe, maybe the effects of the wine and how the cheese fill up your stomach and the crackers have worn off by halftime and they got to go out and get them some more wine and cheese. I don't know what it is over there. And you can substitute that wine and cheese with the little for the licking tailgate, but maybe that's, I don't know what the culture is over there. Here's the, here's the one thing. They don't leave. They didn't leave the classic in Memphis early they didn't leave the atlanta classic when they were playing famu early they didn't leave the southern heritage early they stay around for that so why won't you stay at a home game tsu tiger fans i'm just i'm just throwing this out there yeah i'm with you i'm with you brother 100 uh, well um you know hey winning Winning. I mean, that's pretty much the same thing I said. But anyway, uh, let's. Um, all right, let's. Um, <laughs> um, let's uh, let's take a break, uh, Coach. Uh, let people know where they can find you, where they can follow you. Um, uh, what... Twitter, aka X. Not to cut you off, brother. No, that's it's right. At Coach Frosty, and my numbers have been increasing. I want to thank Brian and AD and the BCS Network for helping me because, like I said, when I met you guys, I'm not a social media guy, so I had eight to ten. Hey, I'm over 700 now. I'm over 700. So I'm like, I thank you guys for that there. If you want to email me, it's at coachfrosty at gmail.com. Um, everyone knows who I am. Everybody knows what I'm looking for. We still got about four weeks into the season. If you're a president or AD and you listen to this show, which is a great show, if you need a head coach, think about Coach Norman. I'll come get it right for you. I promise you that. Fellas, I appreciate you. I will text you guys in the middle of the week to let you know. I'm definitely going to watch the FAMU Southern game. I mean, Texas Southern. And I will find another one. I'll let you guys know by Wednesday, like I always do. Um, AD, I'll get at you, you know, in the next day or so. Brian, you stay strong. Hey, appreciate them black shirts. I'll make that call for you, Coach. I know you will, my friend. I'll I make that call you. for you tomorrow. All right, All right, brother. Let me know something. Brian, thank you once again. I'll text you by the middle of the week to let you know my two games. But I'm definitely going to watch the family Texas Southern game. Yes, sir. Sounds good. You guys have a good week now. Talk to you next week. All right, Coach. Always, my brother. Take care, fellas. 
All right, you guys, make sure you hit up Coach Ferrasi Norman at Coach Ferrasi on X. All right, let's take a quick break. Come back for a second. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to get into something real quick before we get into the top five. Uh, so hang tight. Let's take a short break. Come back. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap right here on the Black College Sports Network. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www. SlowBurnWaco.com. All right, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. Uh, appreciate Coach Ferrasi coming on uh i want to go back here for a second i went and took a look at the last two years that tennessee state their homecoming attendance 2021 this is post pandemic 2021 they played murray state for homecoming in front of 8627 people that was the announced attendance in 2022 against bethune cookman they had 22,231,000. Saturday for homecoming against Norfolk State, 13,975. Uh, you know, I don't, I didn't get a chance to go back deeper into seeing, you know, what those numbers were like. And, and I, and I think, those games were all played at the Nissan Stadium, right? Correct. So, yeah. So, you know, um, again, I go back to twenty. If twenty thirteen 
as uh, uh, Nick S. pointed out here, 2013 was the last time they made it. So we're talking a decade ago. So a decade ago was the last time that Tennessee State went to the playoffs, went to the second round. Congrats. Okay. But since then, since then, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, have not sniffed winning the OVC since. So, again, four and two is, you know, you may say we don't cover Tennessee State. Well, they give us something to cover. You know, um, there may be an opportunity where, you know, uh, for example, Hampton was making a lot of noise two weeks ago. Guess what just happened to Hampton? Throttled by Monmouth. Uh, they're, 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 uh, sort of, how can I say this, Drew? The, the, the interest level of HBCU media is about to go that, that way down. Why? Because now they sit at three, two, they're just as, just as bad or just as good. However you want to word it as half the teams in the slack, maybe a little better than everybody in the MIAC except North Carolina central, but still, you know, the attention is going to go where the, the largest cluster is. So when schools like Tennessee State, Hampton, a who are sitting outside of the HBCU conferences where you have a large cluster, when they are doing something, uh, when they are competing at a high level against everybody else as well as beating HBCU teams, then, yeah, that attention is going to come. So again, just like fans in the seats are going to come because it equates to winning. So I'm I'm excited that Eddie George is four and two, and hopefully Tennessee State can continue winning because winning uh, will start to bring folks. Now, if it doesn't, if it becomes to be this bad experiment where nobody still comes to the games, let's see what what's left on Tennessee State's home schedule this year. Let's go and take a look. This year, 2023, we go take a look at their schedule, right? The home schedule. All right, let's see. They got wins on the home schedule against Gardner-Webb. Then they beat, of course, Norfolk State. Oh, they got Lincoln coming to town. Well, that should be a win. But I wonder, will there be more than 13,000 people that show up just for the goodness sakes of showing up for Tennessee State football? What do you think, Drew? Plus Baby or minus, Maybe combine what? Combine what? Uh, if you combine the, the, the attendance for the for the remaining home games, you might get to thirteen thousand. Okay, so you're you're basically saying no chance of getting them at thirteen thousand against Lincoln is very slim. Yeah. No, they won't get it against Lincoln. They won't get it against Lindenwood. They may. You know, Tennessee Tech may be the best game that they will probably draw out of the three remaining. But, you know, Lincoln, nobody knows who Lincoln of California is on in HBCU, even though they are HBCU's the new kid. version of Virginia Lynchburg for HBCUs. Yeah, nobody knows anything about them. They're only about a three-year program anyway, three-year-old program. Their majority... They're not an HBCU because of the legal def- 
designation as being an HBCU, but they are a minority serving institution in California with the majority of its population African American. So that that's the story on Lincoln. Lindenwood, a team that was Division II, what was it a year ago, two years ago, when they were still uh-huh. Division II, out of uh, St. Charles, Missouri, which is a suburb of St. Louis, Missouri. Right. Lindenwood is not good. They are not going to draw their, their new football program anyway, regardless of what level of football they're going to be on. Tennessee Tech, there's a somewhat of a rival between Tennessee State and Tennessee Tech. So that game may draw because Tennessee Tech people are also going to come to that game. And part of your attendance, folks, is who you play. And it's not so much as the name brand of your opponent, but how well your opponent travels. That also goes a lot into your home attendance. Won't get won't get anybody from Lincoln to California, even though it's about a four and a half hour drive to from Lindenwood to Nashville. You won't see too many people going uh down I-24 getting into a Nashville on that game. So Tennessee Tech is your best chance. Combined, they may get to that 13-5 number. So I'll conclude with this. Okay. And uh, you know, great, great interesting comment there uh by sneaker shop talk the administration loves the ovc they look down at hbcu conferences and you know obviously there's a connect with the alumni and the fan base and so you've got to sell you've got to sell the tsu football again you got to somehow get eddie george to connect the past with the future and look and, and it's OVC not like it's not fine. like the I'm, other the, the OVC is just not a sexy FCS conference. I, I'm just gonna flat out say it. It's not. If you were in the if you were in the uh what what's the 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 Missouri Valley, that is a that would be a more that would be a sexier FCS conference to be in because you have teams in there that uh have reputations, you have teams in there that uh have playoff success, you have teams with fan bases that travel. I don't know if you have that. I don't. This I, sums it up really, right here. Yeah, that that's some what. Zero in on the HBCU games and ignore the rest. And it's not even no, the, the fact that's, that that's not, like you've got good football there in Nashville because Vanderbilt is is garbage also. So you're you're competing more with the the casual fan who may be a Tennessee fan, University of Tennessee. Than you are with the SEC school who's right there in the same town with you. Look, I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. Look, this, this, I don't know if this is this comments directed at us, but I, I will say, as, as someone who is, if if I'm putting Tennessee State as the third best team in HBCU football in my poll, I'm gonna be watching. I may be scoreboard watching. I may be stat watching what they do against Lincoln. I'm gonna pay attention. I'm gonna compare it to what everybody else who's played Lincoln has done. Right. And then when you go play Lindenwood, I have no idea who Lindenwood is. But guess what? I'll be paying attention to see how Tennessee State does against Lindenwood. I may not watch but for a blip. Okay. But I mean, that's that's the facts. Again, like we just said, you're whatever. Put put together the put together put together com, 
some wins. Put together a complement of wins, you know. And 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 don't tell me we're not paying attention to TSU. Hell, we got them ranked. We got them ranked in all of our stuff. And save me, miss me on that, that we don't pay attention to Tennessee State. Garbage. Tennessee State fans don't pay attention to Tennessee State. Not us. We ain't the problem. It's Tennessee State fans. Not not you all particular who are who are in the chat room and and commenting. Hey, you you all are great fans. Why, why, why aren't the rest of the Tennessee State Nation? I could ask my sister. She's an alum. She didn't go to homecoming, but honestly, but that you know, it is what it is. But anyway, can we can we get to the top five? <laughs> okay, uh, before we get to the top five, uh, a couple of comments that came in during uh Coach Rossi's uh segment that I wanted to get to, if you don't mind. Sure. For first one, uh Jamie, back when we were talking about uh going through our I personal did. top five, give give Fayetteville State some love. I got them six in my Fayetteville. rankings last week, Jamie. I got them six last week. Fayetteville State is clearly the third best CI double eight team. And I, I and I would rank both of that cluster of SIAC teams between Virginia Union and Fayetteville State. So while Fayetteville State has an impressive record on paper, you know, I've got I think those SIAC that SIAC cluster has better quality wins. That would and, be my and, answer to and, that. And they played better opponents too. Go look at the opponents that Fayetteville State has played. When you look at yes. the the record of opponents, yeah, they got you know, the, they got the win against Union. And you're only beating people. Go go. What is Fayetteville? Go look at the this year. They're only beating people by. Hold on, I'm gonna pull it up. Go ahead. You you keep talking. I'm gonna, one, I'm gonna pull it up. Single score games. Exactly. One one score single possession games. That's all right. Go ahead. I mean, it, it took a hurricane for them to beat Union. So I, yeah, exactly. They beat Virginia Union in a monsoon hurricane. That shouldn't have counted. We can't hold that against Virginia Union. All right, what else you got there, Drew? Alcorn State is going to, this comes from uh, Romeo Carter. Alcorn State is going to win the championship game. They got an easy route, plus they only have to play FAMU. Plus, the the only one time they played FAMU, they have won. What year was that, that they played FAMU? I mean, you know they haven't played... Orange Blossom class. Since they since they rejoined the slack. So you, so Romeo, you're ta- you're going back to history, talk about the one time they played FAMU that they beat them. And the last time they played FAMU was probably before most of the people who are on this podcast, listen to this podcast, were even born. Office use your line, Brian. Miss me with that. You, you can come up with a better reason why Alcorn may beat FAMU. But you can't go back by by prior history. We're not going to use that one on this, for this argument. Next comment. <laughs> Did you have anything on that, Brian? Nothing. Okay. Hey, great point, Joshua. <laughs> Saturday's game between Albany State and Edward Waters will air live on the Black College Sports Network, 6 o'clock easter make sure you guys tune in with to that and make sure you share that with a friend and let, let's see what other calls joshua jackson can come up to because he will be the play-by-play voice for that game right here on the black college 
Sports Network. Two more comments, Brian. Yeah. The SWAT championship game could end up at Alcorn if Fabu does not win out. Fabu could still drop one and would still be hosting the championship game over a West opponent as of today. Because everybody in the West has what? Is one loss or two losses? Everybody in the West has two losses. Uh no, there the three three schools still have one loss. Grambling. Okay, we have one loss. Losses. Okay. All right. But if it's uh well, they've got Prairie View heads up, so that that'll determine that one. They've already beaten Southern, so they would have the tiebreak over Southern. Obviously, Alcorn would have to come down to the nerves and the math if they wind up with the same record as Alcorn. And same thing with Grambling, but Gram no Grambling has two losses, so you know they would have to drop two if they get tied with uh, Grambling in order to determine that, and then the nerves would have to figure that one out. But the interesting point, and our last one, Alcorn quarterback play has gotten better. Fam use quarterback play is streaky but fabu's quarterback play is still Musa is still the best quarterback in the swag when it when it's all said and done he may not be everything that some of us rattlers want him to be and we get frustrated with Musa. but i'll take my quarterback over your quarterback any day ditto that anything else all right. That's it on the comments. All right. Uh, in all honesty, we appreciate everybody for taking taking uh -oh. taking time to comment. Uh oh. Oh, what uh, what year was that? You just you just you just told your age, Steve. If you remember that, <laughs> was, it, was it in the nineties? Was it in the nineties? I don't know when. What year was that? I'm. I don't know. I, I I didn't do a quick Google search, uh, but I would imagine if uh, Campbell remembers '86. Okay. Oh, you know something, Brian? I do remember what that was. You that do? was the Air McNair uh, era. It was the Air McNair era. Which one, Bam Steve or Alcorn? Yes, Steve. It was '93, I believe. We played '94. We played all. I believe we played all corn in that era, if I remember correctly. It was '86. I thought we. I thought we played all corn during the McNair era. We have to look that up. All right, somebody, you guys, you guys are doing some good research, right? There's. Let's see, Mr. Campbell's got '86. Any has it been any time since '86? '86. I was in eighth grade. Um, let's see how smart Google is. No, not not smart enough, not fast enough. Um, I, all right, we'll have we'll we'll have to we'll have to do some digging. Um, yeah, he said oh, we, we didn't. Play. All right, my bad. See, I thought we played in that during that era. Um, all right. 
Jesus. Let's get let's get to these polls, man. Got them? Okay, yeah. Let's let's do that. Um, uh, no. Got okay. Right quick. I, th- I think I, I think I found something real quick while you're pulling up polls. I found a game from October 30th, 1982. This would be on the Alcorn website. <laughs> of course. Of course. It uh <laughs> well, it was 1982 in Tallahassee, Florida. Alcorn State won 23 to 13. So now I want so that I wonder if that was homecoming. Uh, who knows? Who knows? But uh, yeah, we'll we'll have to dig deeper. Uh, I know FAMU has, and I've seen it before, where they have a listing of teams that like records versus teams. I know FAMU has probably played Alcorn back in the Billy Nicks and Jake Gaither days, but modern era, meaning last thirty years. That's probably your closest time. So, all right, let's get to the BCSN top five, the new rankings, computer rankings through week number seven. Uh, Yeah, through week seven of the season. This is our third or fourth poll um, that we put out. And so, again, these are the computer third. What is that? Three fingers you put up? Oh. Four. This is the fourth poll. So this is actually week eight, then. This is the through week eight. Uh, we did it after week four, after week five, after week six, and now after week seven. Okay, that's right. That's right. So, we, yeah, we, we like to wait for the first four weeks of the season before we drop the new poll. So, okay, we've got two divisions here, the uh, Division One and the non-Division One. Uh, of course, non-division one made up of division two and um, NAIA teams. So let's see what the computer says through week number seven. We can all scratch our head at the computer. Uh, here we go. Let's see who's in the hunt. In the hunt right now, you've got Miles, uh, Tuskegee, and Allen University, all from out of the SIC. As you can see, their records, all of them are four and one in conference play. Uh, Miles uh, uh, technically shouldn't it be I'm looking at the total points really shouldn't it be Allen at the no I'm that's I'm looking at the wrong number okay anyway it's right okay let's move to the top five. <laughs> 481 <laughs> I, exactly let's, let's move on my eyes are getting blurry alright number five this week Fort Valley State uh, even though they lost to Benedict 48-6 uh, th- where were they last week? Do you recall? I wish we could. I wish we could kind of. They that were that. either four or five last week. All right, so not much of a, not much of a drop if they were four. They'll take on Morehouse this upcoming week. Number four, Virginia Union. I think Still. these two teams flopped. Flip flopped. Possibly. Is what it was. Possibly. Virginia Union coming in six and one, four and one. Uh defeated Bowie State fifty two to three. Wow. That's all I can say to that. Wow. Fifty two to three. Um 
Only loss has come in a downpour against Fayetteville State. Uh, next up, they've got homecoming against Lincoln, PA. That's a big game for Lincoln, so uh, we'll see. Can Virginia Union keep the winning going? Number three. Yeah, that's going to surprise a lot of you, I'm sure. Florida Memorial coming in at number three. Uh, three and three overall, two and one in conference play. Uh, they just lost to they just lost the uh, battle of what do they call that the battle of Miami Gardens. Miami Gardens. Yeah, to yes. uh, 16th ranked nationally ranked St. Thomas, 31 to 17. They got Weber International this upcoming week. Uh, pretty impressive that that high powered offense was held to just 17 points. Um, number two. Number two has been number two for quite a long time. That's Virginia State. Uh, took care of business on homecoming against Bluefield State, 39 to 23. They're on the road, or no, they're hosting Elizabeth City State this upcoming week, the Breast Cancer Awareness and Community Day. And then, of course, number one, still number one, that is the Benedict Tigers. Uh, beat number five, Fort Valley, 48 to 6. Their homecoming is this upcoming Saturday against Kentucky State. So just to recap, Benedict, Virginia State, Florida Memorial of the Sun Conference, NAIA, Virginia Union, and Fort Valley State. All right, Drew, let's let's uh let, you gotta ask the question because I know people will. I, I will too. How is Florida Memorial? Florida Memorial, really the third third ranked team? Interesting. What do you think? What do you think that's a product of? Strength of schedule. When you look at when you look at Florida Memorial, they uh, they've played up twice this year, beating a Division Two Ever Waters, who has proven to be better than a lot of people expected them to be. So that's a quality win. That ends up being a quality win. That, that winds up being a quality win. And as of right now, Grambling, losing to Grambling, goes down as a quality opponent as long as Grambling continues to do what they have done in the West, despite what they have done the last two weeks. That's still considered a quality victory for uh, a squeeze, a quality defeat. And that's what I forget. They did put up 500 yards against an FCS team. They lost to a Bluefield University in overtime and put and put up like 48 points in a loss in overtime 700 yards, Seven, 700 yards in that too if i'm not mistaken yes they what is, beat what is once they got in the co- i haven't looked to see what they are doing but i do know once they've gotten into conference they won two conference games, one of them against a Ave Maria team who was expected to do something within the Sun Conference, which is arguably one of the top conferences in NAIA football. So don't let the record speak for you. Don't let the record fool you against like-minded competition. They are doing good against like-minded competition. So. And then they just lost to the number 16 team in the nation. So that counts as a quality loss. Okay. Uh, Bluefield, by the way, is Bluefield University. They are three and three, one and one in their conference. So um, just thought yeah. I'd 
put that out. There. So that, that goes down as a quality, quality win. And good, uh, Edward brings up a point. And just to kind of go through the mile schedule, and then, you know, this, this hurts me to say as a Tuskegee fan, I, I am a Miles fan also. But you've got those two FCSs on, on your record. Albany State, Arkansas, Arkansas Pine Bluff. But look at what look at what you've beaten in conference if you're Miles. Lane, Clark Atlanta, Central State. Those three teams have a combined one win. Wow. Of your of your of your victories. Oh, excuse me. And Morehouse. Four teams that you have played have a combined one win. Wow. That's why Benedict by themselves has more win than the other opponents. And when you throw Arkansas Pine Bluff in there, also, (laughs) Benedict has – no, let's put this together. Benedict has more wins, the team who they lost to last week, than anybody else on Miles' schedule, including Alabama State, when you combine everybody else who they played. That's why Miles gets dropped down. Hmm. No disrespect, but the stri- but the computers don't like their strength of schedule based on that one factor. Good point. Good point. All right. Um, well, let, let's go over to the Division One level and let's see what what we can glean from the Division One rankings through games played October fourteenth. What do we got here? The in the hunt teams are a pair of Alabama schools that'll be fighting it out in the Magic City Classic in a couple of weekends. Alabama AM and Alabama State. All right, let's go to number five. Top five this week. Jackson State. Uh, I think they may have been four last week, but they are now five. Four and three, two and two. Overall, of course, lost to Alabama State 24 to 19. They get a travel to Mississippi Valley State this upcoming Saturday. And one more point, Drew. It should be noted the, the computer doesn't look at margin of victory, does it? Not past a certain point, does it? Correct. Right. So even if you beat somebody by 50, it only really it counts. Stops, it stops at 17. Right, Which and if you lose two possessions, so sixteen right. or less, you get you get points. Seventeen, you get the minimum amount of points. And if you so, lose by fifty to someone, it it, it, it doesn't matter. It's just, losing by fifty is the same as losing by twenty. It's the same okay. as losing by seventeen. Number four is Hampton Pirates, and that's kind of why I brought that up. <laughs> uh, Hampton. <laughs> Hampton after losing to Monmouth 61 to 10, uh dropped the one and two in CAA play. They are three and three right now. They play Delaware, uh host Delaware, I believe, this upcoming weekend. Number yes. three, number three, Florida AM Rattlers on a bye week. I believe that's the same spot they've been at the last three weeks as well. Kind of sitting in that three spot. All right. Uh, number two is Tennessee State. Uh, defeated Norfolk State, of course, 24-17. to 
and uh, four and two, and they they host Lincoln, California. And then number one is North Carolina Central. Uh, they were on a bye this past week as well, and they begin MEAC play, I believe, on Thursday night. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Yeah. All right. Um, let's uh, let's let's uh, let's. Oh, oh, uh, the the summary. There it is. North Carolina Central, Tennessee State, fam. And like I said, Drew, I I struggle. I'm gonna have to go look at the computer ratings. I just may roll dice. I you know I don't know how I'm gonna pick teams four through ten in my rankings because it, it's a it's a cluster trying to decide how you evaluate a bunch of mediocre teams. I'm sorry, <laughs> average teams, whatever. Average. You mediocre. said, I think you said, I think you did it right, Brian. Well, maybe I did. Maybe I, you know, sometimes people get offended and call them mediocre. That's just to say average by, by record. You are what you are. You are what your record says you are. And so be it. All right. Um, picks from last week. Drew finally hit the jackpot. As he went five and zero last week, and, and noted, let's let's note here, Drew avoided the one game that I initially <laughs> did. I would have lost. Yes, initially, fam, uh, Edward Waters and Tuskegee was part of the pick five, but Drew protested loud enough that I had to switch it with Allen and Albany State, and so by Drew avoiding picking Tuskegee, he ends up five and zero. So I'm going to put an asterisk next to five and zero. So he's 5 and 0, 24 and 12 overall. I am 2 and 3. I went 2 and 3 only winning Benedict and Tennessee State. I thought Livingstone they came close. Jackson State came close. Albany State not so close. So at best I probably I, I probably could have been 4 and 1. Uh but I ended up 2 and 3 and now I am sitting at perfect 500. 18 and 18. Uh. Disgusting. I, I don't know what to do with myself, but that feels like I, I feel like a lot of the teams in black college football average right now. That's uh, <laughs> that, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, let's see. All right. Again, this upcoming week, did, did we did you decide on our games for this week or did you think about? Yes. Our games. Yes. You thought about it. Yes, I did. All right. I'm going to give you the five that I picked, and then I'm going to give you three honorable mentions and see if you want to move any one of those up and bump another game down. Okay, hold on. Let me uh, – what are you giving me here? What are you giving me, what, just the games? Not necessarily your pick. No, no, I'm giving you the games. Okay, give me the games. Give me the games. Then I give you the pick. All right. Okay. Albany State, Albany State, Edward Waters, uh, which will be seen right here on the Black College Sports Network as our SIAC feature game of the week. That is at Edward Moving Waters. Over, Sorry. That, that is at Edward Waters. Moving over to the CIAA, Fayetteville State at Johnson C. Smith. No, Fayetteville State hosting Johnson C. Smith. As I see, I double a feature game of the week. Moving okay. over to the MIAC, mm-hmm. 
Howard hosting Norfolk in the swag is interesting because every game in the swag has a clear cut favorite when you look at them on paper so i picked the one neutral site game of the week in the swag and that's southern traveling to jacksonville to take on bethune that's fair neutral site and 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 in uh to round it out you know we got to go back to the siac okay miles excuse me allen traveling to miles for homecoming those were the five games that i picked for the week now honorable honorable mention games that that you can consider moving okay i've got langston and arkansas baptist let's be real brian this game is only on here because it features two of our NAIA HBCU schools. Langston will be hosting that game against Arkansas Baptist. That's the only reason I put that on the list. Okay. And to give the NAIA some love. Uh, the next one is going to be in the CIAA. That is Lincoln traveling to Virginia Union. What? Lincoln who? Lincoln PA. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Traveling to Virginia Union. And the final game for consideration is the Thursday night matchup, which is going to be on ESPN. That is Morgan State and North Carolina Central. And let's think about this. Morgan State essentially has had a double buy due to unforeseen incidents with their uh, on their campus with the homecoming being canceled and then the actual scheduled buy this week. So they're coming off of a double buy to take on North Carolina Central, who will be home on a short week, though. No, check that. Central is also coming off of a buy. So both of these teams are coming in very well rested. Right. One one team has seven. One team is off uh, been 17 days and the other team is 10 days, 10 days. And what's interesting, just moving ahead, North Carolina Central actually has consecutive Thursday night games. I don't think I've ever seen that on a college football schedule, but they have two consecutive Thursday night games. One's away, one is at home. Morgan State is hosting Central. Okay. Um, man, so, that, do you want to replace any of those, uh, any of those first five, or one of those last three? And I'm, I'm just kind of browsing through the swag schedule. And I know the one that I would be looking at. There's nothing in the swag. Yeah, is everybody on by really? Except for there's only a handful of teams playing this weekend. Yeah, feels that way. Okay. Um, Next week we get the 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 28th is when we finally get to a full SWAC schedule. The 28th and November 4th we have a full full SWAC schedule. Two consecutive weeks. Finally, finally, man. Okay, so I kind of want to move the Central and Morgan State game in place of the Norfolk State Howard game. I. 
you know, I, I really. That's fair. You know, I, I think there's the put it like this. Remember when Morgan traveled to North Carolina A&T on a Thursday night and A&T hadn't lost in like forever? Uh, right. I think this was 2019 when that happened. And they nearly actually, yeah, they 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 beat North Carolina A&T. Um, I got a feeling, yeah. That, 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 let's let's move that game. I, I think that's going to be more exciting than Norfolk State and uh, Howard. All right, I can I can go for that. You good with that? Okay, I'm good. All right. All right, so we'll we'll make a note of that. Okay, so the other games I'm good at. I I just you know I think you got good matchups there, all compelling matchups. You know. Um, all right, so uh, since you picked them, you want me to go first, I guess. Sure, let's flip it up this week. All right, so we'll start with the Albany State Edward Waters match. Um, you know, how, how do you, how do you go away from the hot hand? Here, here's what I think the challenging thing for Albany state is seeing what Allen did to them should make Edward waters like salivate when they cut the film on and watch what Allen did to Albany state in that first half. And when, I mean, Jiren Russell, uh, Man, he 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 should be. Uh, let me just. I'm just gonna go with Edward Waters. I'm just gonna keep it simple. I'm going with Edward Waters, even though you know. Hey, look, uh, you know, Quinn Gray's coming back to the Jacksonville, so there'll be a there'll be a bit of a homecoming there for for Coach Gray. Um, it, it may not be a happy homecoming. I, I think Edward Waters gets that one, so I'm going with E Dub. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. Everwater's one of the hottest teams offensively in the SIAC. Albany State has really not shown me the ability that they can move the ball consistently on offense. So I'm rolling with Everwaters in this game. All right. Next game is that CIAA matchup you spoke about, Johnson C. Smith and Fayetteville State. As as we read from that article on HBCU Sports, this one could determine the South. Is Johnson C. Smith really ready? Are they ready to, you know, could, could Fayetteville State's reign as the king of the South be so short-lived <laughs> that in just after winning? It's been five years, Brian. How is it short? Well, I, I'm talking about the – okay, yeah, you're right. You're talking about – but the, I'm talking about the winning the conference. He won the conference after winning the South for all these years. You know, I feel like that kind of made you the king of the South now. Obviously, you know, I get it. I'm going with Johnson C. Smith, man. I, I'm going out on a limb. I The fact that they played a close game, Fayetteville, this past week, uh, that that was a game that Livingstone was a challenger, so to speak. I, I think Jack. I think Johnson C. Smith gets him this week. I'm going with the uh, road team. You know, Brian, if I was picking first, I would have picked Johnson C. Smith probably also. But 
since you picked first and to add some <laughs> drama to our picks contest, I'm going to pick Fayetteville State. And until they get beaten by somebody in the South, I am going to have to ride with Fayetteville State. And that's why I was kind of torn with that game. I love what Coach Flowers is doing over there at Johnson C. Smith. But until somebody shows me that they could beat Fayetteville State in that South Division, you got to roll with the Kings of the South. I see. Roll, roll with the team. Roll with the team that, uh, you know, um, you, you can do that when you're six games up. You know, that's that's you being using your privilege when you're six games up. All right. <laughs> that's Southern, a line of cheese in me, man. Southern at Bethune-Cookman on a neutral site in Jacksonville. Is the human jukebox coming? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I should text Carlos and find out is the human is the human jukebox coming? Who did Southern had a no? They had they didn't have a buy. They had a home. Well, they had a buy. They played Lincoln. It's like a buy. Uh, the band the band was obligated to play, but I, hmm. tough loss for Bethune. Ooh, see, this is where it sucks going first because I can't piggyback off of you. I'm going hell. I'm going Bethune. I'm I'm upset. I'm I'm calling it upset here. Bethune over Southern. For the for the uh one day they're gonna catch somebody crowd. You know, that this is look, you lost your blue homecoming. So why not why not, you know, with a good crowd, twenty five thousand plus show up in Jacksonville, the city of misery for my Indianapolis Colts. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and beat Southern. Who you got? Well, Brian, Misery loves company. And the the Bethune Wildcats love to keep bad company. I This is a game Southern has to win, which is what scares the hell out of me because this would be the game that Southern loses. But <laughs> I'm going to run. I, I, I'm going to ride with Southern on this one, man. I'm going to ride with them. But it, it scares the hell out of me because this is a game they should win, and that's the one that they'll lose. But I've still got the Jags. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something about the team, there's something about having a Jaguar team with the nickname Jaguars in the home in the, and playing oh, in the stadium okay. that hosts the Jaguars. So I see what you that's did That's what there. I'm going with. Jaguars okay. and Jaguars. Okay, this next one is a doozy. SIC matchup here. Allen at Miles. You you really sold Miles and why I should be ranking Miles where I want to rank them. I do have them rated ahead of Allen. So, you know, conceivably, this is a uh this this could be a four versus five or a five versus six matchup. And once I decide once I finish rolling dice and figure out where I'm going to put these teams on my rankings, I want to pick Allen. Miles having a bye week. You, you, ooh. you stay with the hot team. Uh, did Miles play last week? Who did Miles play last week? They, 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 they had a bye against Morehouse. Oh, see? Look at that. Hmm. Um. <laughs> That's cold. 
damn. You know, I got to think against the establishment. The establishment is that you take Miles. You know, Miles was, Allen is what Miles was a decade ago, 15 years ago, right? That that team that nobody really, yeah, 2012, a decade ago, right? Almost 10, 11 years ago. Allen is that team now. I'm staying. I'm going chalk. I'm going miles at home. Tough. I, I wanted. To, I wanted to go. I, I want to go. Allen won't be surprised if Allen wins, but I'm going chalk with miles at home. Well, Brian, I I've been to a miles oh. homecoming. Okay. Miles homecoming atmosphere. Had I not gone to Tuskegee. I would rank the Miles homecoming atmosphere up there. Speaking of Tuskegee, over 31,000 at Tuskegee's homecoming. As a matter of fact, uh, official attendance, I saw somebody else put it in the uh, chat earlier. 31,726. Let me repeat that. 31,726. That homecoming attendance outdrew some of the classics that we've seen this year. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Miles was a school with only around a thousand students is going to pack out their place. It will be close to uh, 10,000 in that stadium, if not a, well above that 10,000 mark in that stadium. I don't know if Allen is ready for that, for that atmosphere that you're going to walk into at Miles. So with that being said, Golden Bears over the Yellow Jackets. Okay. I like it. I like it. Um, okay, and that leads us into North Carolina Central traveling to Morgan State. Uh, Morgan State's been off an extra week due to the, uh, the the shooting that occurred on campus two weekends ago for their homecoming. This past weekend was a normally scheduled bye week. So a lot of time to just be ready. Morgan State is going to be itching to play. And I think this is this is going to be the best you're going to see Morgan play. And at the right time, right at the start of MEAC play. And wouldn't it be, Drew, I hate to steal your word, it would be so MEAC-ish if the Bears take down the champ on Thursday night football and just send everybody into a frenzy trying to figure out what the hell is going to happen in the MEAC for the next four weeks after this uh, opening week. So with that said, I will take the Bears by a field goal. I'm going to say a last-second field goal by the Bears wins the ball game, something like 27 to 24. Morgan State, all game. We got those fighting those fighting I know it's a I know it's a feel good story Brian if Morgan State would come and win this game and I, you know uh, shout out to the Baltimore family and the uh and the Bowie State family uh for everything that they've had to deal with over the last couple of years but 
You know what I'm saying? No matter what goes on around you, Brian, life continues. And that what it is what has happened for Central. They've had this sense of normality. They're going through their normal routines. So, and when you have a team that's been there before, you know, Damon Wilson is still trying to teach Morgan what to do when they get there. We know Coach Oliver has been there. He knows what to do. So, with that being said, fly like an eagle to the sea. <laughs> and let the spirit carry me home. Yeah, you remember that song? Oh, man. Okay. You, you see him doing ballads here to North Carolina Central. So, you're going to North Carolina Central. Okay. Just to recap, uh, Drew and I both take Edward Waters over Albany State. Uh, we are split on the Johnson C. Smith at Fayetteville State. I'm taking the Golden Bulls. Uh, Drew is taking the Broncos. We are split on the Southern Bethune-Cookman neutral site game in Jacksonville uh, this uh, Saturday as the Southern Jaguars will be playing in the home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm taking Bethune. Drew's taking Southern. We both think that Miles comes through on homecoming over Allen. And then we are split again for the third game in the Thursday night matchup between North Carolina Central at Morgan State. I'm taking the Bears. He's taking the Eagles. So there's our pick five for this week. Um, Just want to run down there. Again, there were 15 schools hosting homecomings. Um, Upset alert. Who should now six of them? I think I think going into last week, it was six and six, right? I think that was the record going in homecoming. homecoming uh, Through the first through the first three weeks, uh, there were 14 homecoming games scheduled. Uh, 13 of them were actually played. We know we lost the Morgan State homecoming game. There were six road win victories last week alone out of the 14 homecoming games played. There were six road victories. So there have been 12 out of 27 thus far this this year, Brian. Wow. So if anything, that tells okay. me of these 15 games that are going to be played, I'm going to predict. I'm going to say that there's going to be at five least five, of, five of them. Yeah. I'm going to say there's going to be at least five upsets. Here's the list. Uh, and you guys, as you as you hear it, you know, call it out. Uh, UAPB hosting Alcorn. That is a uh, three o'clock Eastern. That's on HBCU Go. Benedict hosting Kentucky State. There's one. That is two o'clock Eastern. Uh, well, you think that's an upset? Benedict Alcorn hosting Kentucky is State. on the road. No, no, no. I thought about the Alcorn. Oh, oh I got you. Oh, okay. Alcorn, I thought, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, UAPB. Okay, you were late on the reply. Sorry. Okay, uh, Benedict, that, that's, that's just a delay of the internet. Gotcha. Two Eastern. That game is on ESPN+. Plus. Clark Atlanta hosting Central State. That's a 1 o'clock Eastern game. Delaware State. That could be one. Hosting South Carolina State uh, at noon. That, that could be one. I mean, you know, I lost I lost all kinds of – I don't know what I think about South Carolina State now after that mess from Saturday. It depends uh, on which South Carolina State team you get. Right. 
Fayetteville State, uh, one of our games. That's a homecoming game. Johnson C. Smith coming in to take on homecoming. I should have thought about that. Now I'm upset that I took Johnson C. Smith. That's all right. I won't change my pick. Um, that's a 2 o'clock Eastern matchup in Fayetteville. In uh, Miami Gardens, Florida Memorial hosting Weber International. That's a 1 p.m. Eastern game. Fort Valley State hosting Morehouse. Two Eastern, homecoming in the Valley. Uh, Howard hosting Norfolk State in Green Stadium on ESPN. Depends on which version of these two teams show up. Okay, that's a noon kickoff. That game could go either way. Uh, Lane is hosting Virginia Lynchburg, 3 o'clock Eastern in uh, Jackson, Tennessee. They better, Lane better watch out. That might be an upset. Lynchburg got a win under their belt. Ooh, ooh. watch out. Langston hosting Arkansas Baptist at W.E. Anderson Stadium. That's a 3 o'clock Eastern. Coach Ferrasi, I'm sure he'd be watching that game. Too bad it's not being streamed anywhere. No upset there. Livingstone on the blue turf hosting Shaw at at Alumni Memorial Stadium. That's 1.30 Eastern. That, That could go either way. I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked. Shaw is. Hey, Livingston almost beat uh, Fayetteville last week. So that's my point. That's my point. I I'd be shocked if uh, if they laid down Shaw. Uh, another homecoming was our top five game. Miles hosting Allen. That's five Eastern in Sloan Alumni Stadium. So that game will get some nighttime light action too. That'll be interesting. Savannah State hosting Tuskegee. Three Eastern revenge, in Theodore A. Wright. The revenge Stadium. tour begins. The revenge uh, tour begins. Why? Why is that a revenge tour? Because we lost on homecoming. We're gonna ruin everybody. We're gonna ruin there. You got the nerve to schedule Tuskegee for homecoming? You done <laughs> lost your mind. Uh, y'all done lost your okay. mind over there on the Atlantic Ocean. Okay. Okay. Stop it. Um, Virginia Union hosting Lincoln, PA at Hovey Field, one Eastern. Winston-Salem State hosting St. Aug uh, at 1 Eastern as well. It's also senior day there for the uh, Rams. And that is the 15th one. Yeah, so this is your this is your largest weekend. Last week, yesterday, and today, these are your, these are your largest weekends. So um, you, you pick, again, five. Five are the uh, – uh, yeah – so, uh, and one you, thing, Dennis. appreciate you, Dennis. Go ahead. I was gonna say one thing I've learned about Tuskegee, and only uh, Tuskegee people understand is we don't do good, good with early homecoming October or the first Saturday in November. We don't do good at Tuskegee. Something about playing when it's still warm outside. Don't sit well. <laughs> okay. You threw me for threw me for a loop on that one. All right. Um what else is that what what else what else has happened that uh we didn't touch on? It's time to go, but uh, uh did we did we cover everything? Do we feel like we have a good sense of what happened yesterday? What what what's going to happen this upcoming week? Uh, looking forward to 
the Rattlers, my Rattlers being back on the field. Um, let me give an early heads up, Drew, because I think we're going to try to do a watch party again this upcoming Saturday for the Texas Southern game. I just haven't figured out where, though. So be on the look. Come, 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 come in Wednesday. The ONG Strike Zone Wednesday night, 8 Eastern, on the Black College Sports Network, on Facebook and YouTube at ONG Strike Zone. And we, we, we may have some details on what we're going to do for the watch party. I, you know, it's in Texas. Uh, so we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But yeah. What about you? Uh, I don't know if we, because we kind of, kind of rushed at the beginning. We didn't get deep into it. The, uh, the GCAC and their expansion. Let's, let's okay. think about this, Brian. You now have a have a conference that goes from Ohio to Texas, okay, okay. over to South Carolina, okay, and down to the Virgin Islands. Sounds like the uh, the new thirteen. Uh, they would be <laughs> stop it. No, it's more like the Big Twelve, Brian. I mean, oh, the there Big you Ten, go, the new Big Twelve. The, well, that too. <laughs> Big Ten. Yeah. Them too. Um, but, uh, you know, when we think about this, this is a conference, let's be honest, Talladega, Edward Waters, Xavier, all left at the same time. We left them for dead. Wasn't there a fourth what school year? that left also with them? That that was um that was that was the pandemic, Brian. That, that was, was during the pandemic. The pandemic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 20, All those schools left them for one reason or another during the pandemic. And we they were left, left with six this, schools, and they, they and they did wait a minute, and they didn't have a conference commissioner. They had an interim conference commissioner during that time because Dr. Baker Barnes was still the athletic director at Dillard during that time. Yeah, but she was more, from what my understanding was, she, she, at that she time, was she was serving the role. Yeah, but they had not officially named her full time. Yeah, I got you. I I I never looked. I I thought she was like out of the role as the AD at. Dillard and really more so, you know, it just hadn't been official, official, but I got you. Right. But coming out of the pandemic, I mean, they were left for dead, total dead. And yep. then you add, you add a Wiley. Mm -hmm. You add uh, Fisk. Yep. And then you add Oakwood. To bring that you back you. up to eight. Yep. Right. Um, then you add U UVI, Virgin Islands, which who's coming in this year. That brings you to nine. Due to being a good steward of the HBCU spirit, when Talladega who left the Southern States Athletic Conference was not able to make their transition to the Division II level. 
because of president change and athletic director change, you graciously let them come basically squat in your conference for a year, uh, possibly two years, realistically two years. But you know, Talladega is not going to be sitting there long in your conference. So they're not in your long-term plans. But that still puts you at 10 this year. And then you have the nerve to go out and add three more schools. Wilberforce, who was total, which was totally not expected. Mm-hmm. Voorhees, who was a former member of the GCAC, coming back to the GCAC. And then Stillman coming in. So not only have you guaranteed yourself long as nobody leaves uh to be in basketball but you've also showed up your baseball program and all your other sports volleyball softball and track so and they say they aren't done brian did you see that mm-hmm. post that i sent you guys where they said they aren't done no no i did i missed that and i'm just i'm just I'm just purely speculating on this. Mm-hmm. I see the next fish out there. Who? Her- Harris Stowe. Huh. Okay. St. Louis, Missouri. Interesting. Um, especially, back- especially if you, for basketball, you're already into Ohio, which is a basketball hotbed. St. Louis, and that's my hometown, is a basketball hotbed. And sneaker talk, yes, Talladega is a school that SIC should have their eye on. The, the SIC already has their eye on Talladega. It's just until Talladega gets their act together and do what they need to do to be accepted into Division Two, the SIC cannot touch them. Um, just uh, one of the one of the take one of the takeaways that I gleaned from the press release that Stillman put out in 2024-25, the GCAC will have ten teams in women's volleyball, and I should say at least ten teams in women's volleyball, women's basketball, men's basketball, and baseball, earning each sport two automatic bids in the NAIA championships. That's big. That's big. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's an ama- it's amazing turnaround to see where the GCAC was when we kind of first started working with them and then saw, you know, the departure of certain schools to see their growth where they, you know, they've created a, a group of schools that rivals the SWAC, the CIAA, and the SIC. And that's uh, pretty impressive. Congratulations to uh, the GCAC, Dr. Uh, Kiki Baker-Barnes, and, uh, and and the folks there. They've uh, They've got something... They got something really going there. And so. Uh, oh, yeah. Jeff Roberts all brings up football. another one. Uh, yeah. And Jeff Roberts brings up another point. Uh, St. Aug, interim coach. Uh, coach was dismissed on 
Thursday, I believe, uh, Coach at St. Dog was dismissed. Uh, yeah, I saw that. That was that was kind of playing an illegal player. That 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 to me sounds real shady, fishy, uh, because he played an ineligible player for three plays. So first off, did he know? Now, if you fired him because he knew the guy or the kid was ineligible and he still played him, okay. But three plays? Did he only play him for three plays? And did he did he not play him after three plays once it became official that the kid wasn't eligible? Is that why the kid didn't play anymore after three plays? You know, um, I, you know, I, shortest tenure in a, in, 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 uh, in a long while, but look, the rumor is that they want to try to get right. uh, Crow Mark there. So it is what it is. Yeah. Brian, A, they may have been looking for their shoes. B, coaches know who's eligible, who's not eligible. They get this they get this list all the time from their fars. That's faculty uh athletic representative or who's eligible, who's not eligible. So that 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 that's that's a crock. Somebody was were doing it their job or somebody set them up. One of the two. <laughs> Uh, uh, they're calling for a setup now. Wow. Okay. Well, anything's possible. All right. And then there's a dude. There's a new athletic director, Johnson C. Smith. Jeff, I'm not aware of that. I'm. Uh, so, if, uh, any information on that? Send that to us because I have. I hadn't seen that release on that. Had you seen that, Brian? No, I had not. No, I had not. So we'll have to we'll have to look into that. We we'll have to do some digging on that. I mean, is he talking about new? Is he saying new as of like this past week or new this season? I don't. I that that that's what I say. I'm not. All right, we'll have to. We'll have to I'm not quite sure on that. All right. Um, can we can we shut it down? Can we can we close the can we turn Man, off let's the pick up this show and, let's pick up this show and get out of here here we get uh long way happy homecoming to those 15 institutions that are hosting homecoming may your homecoming be better than my homecoming was this past week but i still got one more reprieve at him right i got one more reprieve fam you in two weeks um get ready prayer view go ahead and uh get ready to come on come on to tallahassee and uh and get an experience for uh, the greatest homecoming in the universe y'all can have the greatest homecoming on earth just, we just got the greatest in the universe just don't just like gonna buy a hotel while you're down there well look you do better to bring up bring a camper bring an rv uh put put a put an rv on the back of your uh of your car and haul that around and you that'll be you know actually that's an idea i need to look into that like what what would that cost me if i get a little mini portable rv that i just trail around with me get, i might be actually cheaper than, uh, uh what's what, what's that camp in america thing when you rent the when you rent the uh winnebago 
Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I have, have, I'm thinking that's what do you that. need to do. I need to do that. I need to do that. Need to look into that. Okay. Time to go. Thank you guys for watching, uh, following, and subscribing the show. However, you're watching it. If you're watching it on any of our Facebook pages, please hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. Make sure you are in tune with uh, updates and things like that. Uh, anytime we post a, a new video or a new show, uh, especially if you're on the YouTube channels, uh, hit the bell. So that way you get the alerts. Uh, we try to put those notifications out as soon as we can. Um, please go download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app on the Google Play or Apple App Store. My JBM, my BCSN is where you can find it. And then uh, the BCSN Pod Zone is our podcast uh, of all of the shows. So our show, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, the Carlos Brown Show, the ONG Strike Zone, and more as they will be coming. So uh, you can... You can uh, check out all of those shows and podcasts, audio format, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google and Apple Podcast, um, Amazon Music, all of those wonderful places. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. Appreciate you guys for uh, sharing your thoughts, interacting with us, and hanging in there with us tonight. Uh, for AD Drew, I'm Brian Fulford. Always a pleasure. Let's have a great week. And uh, happy homecoming to the 15 schools alumni uh, who are going to be celebrating. Hopefully, you all celebrate. It'd be we, it'd be nice to say 15 up, 15 down. That's how it should be. So hopefully, all of you guys uh, will will have a taste of victory to celebrate uh, on homecoming Saturday next weekend. Thanks for watching us. Continue to watching all the programming on the Black College Sports Network. Peace out, everybody. Well, holla. Travel light. But you're my peace to your heart.